0: Hello?
1: What's your favorite scary movie? Beer the Talking
0: Queer. Part
1: 2. Who? Who's gonna do that? (laughs) Sequels suck. Hey, bitch! (laughs) Hey, bitch! Happy birthday! (laughs) Ooh, yes, you better twerk, twerk, twerk for your birthday.
0: Bitch, when this episode comes out, it'll be Friday, June 11th, 2021. My official-
1: 16th birthday. (laughs) Right, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Misquince. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Sweet 16. Oh, my God. I was just going to say sweet 16. Did you cry because your parents gave you a car, just not at your party? Right. No. I I will never forget that girl that I
0: think she was adopted. And her parents threw her the baddest fucking party and she was so fucking ungrateful and I never watched that show again because I was like this is disgusting media
1: (laughs) (laughs) isn't that all of them they were all so ungrateful they just like (laughs) they would get mad at the craziest things they'd be like I want this car and like I said before like that one girl she got the car but she was upset that it wasn't gifted to her the At day, the party. Oh my god, I mean, those kids were for awful for everybody to see. Remember, they oh had god. the
0: McDoubles, uh, the girl with the McDoubles on <laughs> the, the, oh, as oh her as
1: no, <laughs> her uh, Tiana Taylor was on that show, yeah, that was my
0: introduction to her, and then she was on the spin off Exiled when they sent them to live in third world countries. Oh my
1: god, <laughs> and now she's in coming to America too. So, I
0: know, yeah, she definitely came up.
1: Yeah, she did. work this pussy. Yeah, worked this pussy. I've seen 8 million drag queens perform that now. <laughs> it's a yeah, staple. Yeah, I uh,
0: It's a staple in the culture at this point.
1: Yeah, literally. So, um, what are you excited for about your birthday? You're turning 30! Girl, I know. I don't know. Do you have any tips? Welcome to the club. Do you have any tips for me about turning 30? <laughs> I don't know. I'll let you know when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, you've been there. <laughs> okay, bye, bye, fine, fine. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, just like embrace it, just love it. Like, thirty is the new twenty. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who is saying that? True, and you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy being thirty. I think that it, uh, I feel older and wiser. It gives you, know, you a I sophistication. Like... Oh yes, absolutely. Now you can like talk down to people, and they can't say anything because you're like. I'm your elder.
0: Yeah, right. I'm going to be like Cher from as Well, you're 29. Okay, well, I'm 30. So as somebody much older than you, <laughs> this is the advice I have.
1: <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. What do you, are you, do you have any special birthday plans? What are you doing?
0: Um, Well, we're going to have a little get together at my mom's on Saturday and just a, a very small group, right? And then on Friday, my actual birthday, I'll probably just watch In the Heights.
1: I'm like... Oh yeah. Excited. That's such a good choice. I know. I really want to s- see that in a theater. I know,
0: me too, but still being unvaccinated, I'm just gonna play it safe and yeah. watch
1: it at home. Smart choice, smart choice. But um speaking of theaters, I had the amazing experience of seeing a movie in a theater for the first time in over a year. Were you crying? I was I was not like completely overwhelmed, but I felt Just this uh, feeling of euphoria. And um, I don't know. I was. It just felt like going home. Like the movie theater is literally my 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 home away from home. I was gonna say the same
0: thing. I was like, I can't. I can't wait for that. But actually, I went to the theater during. I saw Freaky. Right? I saw Freaky in theaters when it came out in November.
1: It's been a long time for me. The last movie I saw in theaters was Birds of Prey in February oh. of 2020. Oh, girl. Yeah, because then I because then I went on a cruise ship. How? was shocking! It was my first time back in forever, and. It it felt great, and I was lucky enough to see A Quiet Place Part 2. Oh, okay, I haven't seen it yet. So
0: give, give us a mini-review. I know everyone's giving their opinions right now on social media, but I want to hear it from you. My only yes. critic that I listen to.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um... I- I will say it is nothing but positive reviews for me. Um, Yeah. I'm going to give a, you know, a spoiler-free review. You know, a lot of people haven't seen it yet. Um, But I won't be spoiler-free on the first one because you had years to see it. So Come on, yeah. (laughs) So, um, I mean, I don't know. I just think it is, like, a really awesome continuation. You know, having, like, the same director at the helm and everything, like, having John Krasinski obviously be so involved in the project still even though his character dies in the first one spoiler alert if you haven't seen it too bad
0: we never give spoilers on this show because you should have been seeing this yeah (laughs) yes
1: exactly and um (laughs) but you know what that didn't stop stop him from being in the movie i mean the opening sequence is absolutely incredible like it is so tense and um it you know he's in the first uh like 10 or 15 minutes of the movie because it's actually a flashback of what happens what when they like when it first went down you know when you know whatever came and you get a maybe a slightly better answer as to what is happening in these films as far as like where these things come from and things like that you get just like a little hint more and i like that they're still kind of keeping it a little under wraps you know they're not giving away too much there's not like a scientist who's kind of who's come out and like explained like these creatures are from this planet or something like that there's none of that um there's still an air of mystery to these monsters and there's still so much more that we're learning as these movies go which is really exciting emily blunt is such like a a, fantastic actress and she you know having her husband uh you know directing the project you could tell that he really loves to give her her moments to shine but honestly it wasn't even just completely about her like yeah he, like the other characters really have a chance to shine mm-hmm. um the one who plays uh the daughter and it has a just a a, a great full arc in this movie oh nice um You know, and it's really exciting to see a character, again, I'm not going to give away too much, but, um, you know, who is disabled, you know, the character is deaf, uh, really be able to rise up and uh, be the hero of a film. You know, it's something that we don't see often. And I think it's so important to have, you know, people who are disabled as Heroes of the story, and so I think that um, was a really amazing thing that they really focused on, really gave her a lot of moments to shine. Um, I think the movie is just as intense as the first, um, but now at this point, it's just expanding the universe. It's seeing, you know, the first movie was very central to the house, mm-hmm. and this one goes out into the world, and you see how it's sort of affected more people around them, and and. You know how how people who maybe weren't as resourceful as they were have coped with this insane thing that's happened to the world. Yeah, and so um, I think it's fantastic. I think it is obviously something I would recommend seeing in a theater just because of the sensory, an
0: immersive experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It being an immersive experience is important to the experience of it. Yeah, but um, it's a, it's great. I would give it a for me. It's a five out of five. Uh, I love the continuation. I love this series. I think it's so, so good. Yeah. And um, yeah, so definitely go see it. Let us know what you think.
0: And we took a poll on our Instagram story and and they said 90% of the people liked it. One person I think maybe said that they didn't, but they're probably just being a hater.
1: Right, that's fine. No problem. Yeah, everybody's entitled to their... Opinion, but just know that 90% of the people think it's great. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, moving on to the opposite end of the spectrum. That same day, <laughs> we also watched The Conjuring. The studio made me do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, honestly, that should Girl. have been the, the subtitle to this movie. I hated it, and I'm not I, okay. I'm being dramatic.
0: I, it just did not hold up to the first two for me. I, I even don't like yeah. the second one because like you're saying with A Quiet Place 2 where it kind of just ventures out and you meet more people and things like that. You know, they always introduce these new monsters and new mayhem. And, right. um it's like monster of the week but in movie form like to me the conjuring 2 was the more serious better version of scooby-doo 2 monsters unleashed <laughs> like it was just like okay there With are the
1: crooked man the crooked man the
0: crooked man was ridiculous that was the worst part of the movie uh, but the rest of it was still great the conjuring the devil made me do it however i thought it had such a strong opening i thought the visuals up to the you know I mean this isn't a spoiler there's a murder at the beginning of the movie and so everything leading up to that murder was stellar I thought it was just as good as the you know I was like this is getting off to a great start the soundtrack the visuals the performances everything right and then the movie derailed for me like it just was like I feel like there wasn't enough on this story to make a full 90 minute movie so they started adding all these additional things that i guess the movie needed for meat but it just wasn't strong enough like that like i thought it was going to be all about the trial maybe spooky
1: things were happening to yeah them throughout i thought it was but... going to be more like like uh exorcism of emily rose sort of like exactly. uh, more involved with like the trial and the legal aspect of trying to prove that this demon uh, or whatever it is, part no spoilers, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. is the cause of this murder that happens. And that really wasn't the case. That's not at where the all. movie went at all. It was so, it was like unexpected, but like to a fault. I was like, oh. Yeah. I was like, mm. Because the
0: trailer was like, oh, Arnie Johnson, he committed this murder in 1981, and then but really, Arnie Johnson was the bookend of the, the bookends of the movie. Like, there was, yeah. it was like the beginning and the end, and then that was it, and then it was more about you know the investigation, like I guess of Ed and Lorraine yeah. seeking out why, how, and why of and course. how the devil made him do it, and that was really, really weak. The, yeah, just the was, way it, it came together. Weak. Yeah,
1: I think that for me, probably what it is is that I just think it's the absence of James Wan as the director. You know, he, he is such. An eye for like a style, and that style is what really made those movies really stand out. Totally. I mean, it was like the obvious um, appreciation for the movies that's paying homage to to the things like The Exorcist and The Omen and things like that from the past. Mm-hmm. And um, I just didn't feel like any of that existed in this film. I felt like there was no, you know, there are like subtle things that happen in like the first two Conjuring's, like even down to like in the second one the name of the nun is like in oh. in the background like you know just think like yeah. you know what I'm saying this one fe- felt a Thrown little it together. Level. it was, it was yeah. very Hodgepodge. And it felt a little too yeah, it feels a little too clean it felt a little too polished to where it, it was like it was saturated of anything dark it just felt I don't know it felt more like a Netflix film than it did um, yeah you like know, the haunting a, of Hill House a big or something. studio release. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. It just, it just doesn't work the same way. I thought the third act was really weak. Oh, totally. Um, I, I I was not really invested in that at all. And, and also,
0: they never the, really got to explain who, you know, they who that, you got who, to see, who the villain
1: was. Yeah, who the
0: villain was or what they and the way they connected. the villain to the other characters in the movie was just ridiculous. Random. Why? Why? And why do we care? (laughs) Like, I I don't know. What is the connection here? It's
1: just none. There's just none.
0: I don't know. The other two are Um, stronger because... I mean, the malevolent forces that be, you know? And also, I just felt like the first Conjuring was so strong because people knew Ed and Lorraine Warren and, you know, what they were all about. And then, you know, you got to this story that was never heard of. Like, they were so famous for the Amityville but it was exciting to see something else. And to you know kind of say that it's based on a true story only made it scarier and the family was involved in the yeah. first movie so it just seemed like oh my god this was you know as close you know the family says that they got paid to say um that it was as close to the real story as possible but you know it was like okay right. and the second movie was like that too like you had all these things to compare and this one was like you can tell that they added 90 percent of the story and it was like oh yeah totally and like
1: there are some things that worked for me I thought some of the jump scares worked um I thought Mm -hmm. you know things like that were okay you know then the thing that made me laugh though I'm telling you every horror film it's like they can't help it now it's almost becoming like a joke like these taking these pop songs and turning them into spooky arrangements or whatever like Blondie's Call Me yeah I'm like no, Rick.
0: it's not working for me. If this
1: isn't if this isn't when a stranger calls a reboot of that, don't give me call me in a Conjuring right.
0: movie. Right. If it, the, it worked better in Bride of Chucky when she was
1: getting her makeover. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I was like, this is not. You're like. Oh, me, oh, me. No. Yeah. I
0: feel like this is just the thing with James Wan films in the Conjuring universe as well. Is just like. Like Insidious, when you watch those movies you can just see them totally derail and get just worse and worse and worse. Right. The Conjuring yeah. is turning into the same thing. It's like, okay, let's stop it here before it gets any worse because pretty soon we're going to have different actors playing Ed and Lorraine and I'm
1: not going to be here for it. Oh my god. Yeah, I just think that these that the first two were, were just so spearheaded by James Wan in the director's seat that this one just suffers in comparison because of of that. And I know he executive produced it and was probably involved in it, but there's something about his style that you can't recreate. And I felt like there was a lot of attempts at recreating his style. Yeah. That just didn't work.
0: And other directors
1: have done that
0: better, that James Wan sort of style in some of the other... The Annabelle's sure. and this and that, like some of the times P- they do a decent job, but this one. But was in not any of those great. movies
1: don't me- measure up to none this. of them measure up to the, to, to the first two Conjuring. But at least sure. like
0: their imitation for some of them, not all of them, but the imitation yeah. in some of them it was a little bit what more well done. So for the Conjuring, I think we hold it up to such a high standard because it's the the head of the h- yeah.
1: entire franchise that it's just like yeah, and it's a oh, and, and it was a game like we said this in our episode like the Conjuring was a game. Changing genre film, like totally, it put the haunted house movies on its head, back on it on the fucking map of, mm-hmm. of mainstream horror. That's where all the demand started going because of the success of The Conjuring, and I think Conjuring, Devil Made Me Do It, is just a product of where <laughs> of just. It's almost wearing out its welcome now. When they you know? just get
0: done to death, yeah, like we're yeah we're done. I think the Conjuring franchise needs to take a rest for a little bit, um, yeah, as a whole.
1: And it absolutely. And uh, I think we're just now waiting for the next thing to flip the genre on its head. And uh, you know, give us a new slew of good movies that eventually turn bad. So we're ready for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Conjuring. Thank you for your time. You've given us what eight years of um, of thrills and chills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's time it's time to retire. And again, like
0: not to insult anybody, but I do feel like this was one of those movies that we've talked about before. Where if you're a simple audience member, you will enjoy this movie. But as people who look for more sophistication in their horror movies... uh, Yeah. Maybe not.
1: Yeah, doesn't measure up. Absolutely not.
0: So I would give it a two out of five.
1: Um, yeah, I would give it like a two. Uh, Yeah, two out of five,
0: for sure. And um, when we did our poll on that one, Eighty-three uh, percent of people said they did not like it, and seventeen percent said they did. So that
1: uh, says a lot. And as much as I'm like, yeah, see, they agree. I'm also like, oh, that's such a bummer. Like, man, this movie could. I wish this movie was better. I just wish it was better. Yeah, it, I don't. I, I don't want it to be bad. I wanted it to be good. It had potential. I thought that they should have just gone Amityville. Like, just get it over with. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Just to conclude a trilogy trilogy with um, <laughs> <laughs> with Amityville. Yeah, this one is not good. So, rest in peace, Conjuring. (laughs) Yeah, rest in peace, Conjuring, just like Liz Purr. (laughs) What a beautiful segue. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, uh, tell us who Liz Purr is and what movie she's in. Okay, so Liz Purr is the one
0: victim in the movie Jawbreaker.
1: (laughs) Ooh, Yes in this uh, darkly wicked black comedy that came out in 1999.
0: I know. I'm really excited to do this movie
1: because I picked it for my birthday. Yes, you did. Woo! Why did you pick it for your birthday? Why? I
0: picked it because it's literally just one of my favorite movies. And we've been experimenting so much this season with like dark comedies and musicals even that I was like, this would be the perfect time to introduce it because... Mm, sneak peek I feel like um, season 3 of Fear the Talking Queer is going to be a little more like season 1 and like some of the movie choices Yeah, so totally. this one is like I'm like this is a fun one this totally goes with season 2 let's hit it um, yes I'm also really excited because it's pride month and this movie was done by Darren Stein who is a queer filmmaker so it totally falls in line with that also
1: yes yeah definitely and um the cast of this movie they look like skittles and so it's oh, happy pride yeah exactly yeah. And <laughs> there
0: are some undertones in here also that we'll get into and also just period like i'm super impressed that darren stein was like basically my age that i am right now when he made this movie he was 28 years old when he made this movie
1: bitch you're 30 you're not 28 anymore i'm (laughs) first of all don't be playing that don't be playing that you are not in your 20s anymore at this moment in time bitch it is june 7th (laughs) i am 29 years old (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but yes i agree that is super impressive um that he made this movie at such a young age so um, basically our lives are over because we've done nothing with our lives I know
0: I know and this is literally just came from a clique of girls that he would observe in high school who uh, honestly would kidnap each other on their birthdays
1: (laughs) yeah and this movie was originally intended to be a full-on horror film but you know in the process I think Darren Stein realized like oh I'm actually writing a comedy not a horror film Let's embrace it. Let's run with it. So, uh, why don't we get into it? Let's. All right, this is Jawbreaker.
0: Oh, God, Liz. I thought a Jawbreaker would be funny.
1: You gagged her with a Jawbreaker? Jawbreaker, released in 1999, written and directed by Darren Stein. Our movie begins with a narrated introduction to the most popular girls at Reagan High School, the Flawless Four. The click consists of the cold-blooded queen of mean, Courtney Shane, played by Rose McGowan. We love her. Love her. her. She, yeah, she's, our, uh, she's one of our 90s queens. hmm Courtney Shane rules the school with terror. Marcy Fox, played by Julie Benz. Shout out to any Buffy fans out there. <laughs> Courtney's devoted, air-headed follower. Julie Freeman, played by Rebecca Gayhart. She's uh, going to be a fear of the talking queers. Staple by the, she end of the season. She is. She is. Oh my god, she is! She is. She's she's gonna be up there with be three Malone. for three. Oh my god, yeah. Rebecca. Rebecca, I kinda like that. <laughs> I kinda like Rebecca as one of our most talked about Me too. She's a screen about- queen. Hell yeah. I think we're hitting all three mm-hmm. in the same season. Julie Freeman is the sweet beauty, and Elizabeth Purr, played by Charlotte Ayana, known as the Princess Di of Reagan High. Liz Purr is kind hearted and loved by the entire school. We're also introduced to our narrator, bookish, clumsy geek Fern Mayo, played by Judy <laughs> Greer. Who. These there's a like a revolving door of actresses that were were hidden and they're all in this movie.
0: They're all in this movie and and I and I, and I love it.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh, Fern Mayo, who obviously has the deepest admiration for Liz, on the morning of Liz's seventeenth birthday, she's kidnapped from her bed by three masked assailants. One of whom stuffs a jawbreaker into her mouth as a gag before her mouth is duct taped shut and is placed in the trunk of a car. The kidnappers turn out to be Courtney, Marcy, and Julie, playing a mindless birthday prank on her. When the girls drive up to the diner where they plan to have breakfast, they open the trunk and discover Liz is dead, having choked to death on the jawbreaker, which can now be seen lodged in Liz's throat. The girls are in shock as Courtney confesses she slipped the jawbreaker into her mouth because she thought it would be funny.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay. Wait a minute. So we kind of talked about the cast throughout the you reading the synopsis. And I just wanted to give an amazing shout out to uh, the casting director, because they never get the love, okay? Uh, The casting was done by Lisa Beach, who we recognize from so many credits, the name Lisa Beach. She um honestly casted some of our favorite movies she did tragedy girls the entire scream Uh. trilogy valentine girl interrupted disturbing behavior yep teaching mrs tingle the sweetest thing
1: yes these movies are all filled with like fucking amazing women that we love exactly that's why i'm like lisa beach
0: deserves a lot of credit for some of the movies that honestly have shaped our lives
1: oh my god come through lisa beach yes so um the beginning of this movie has those amazing actresses walking in slow-mo this is something that we talk about a lot on this podcast Uh, but i feel like this movie took that teen girl slow motion walk and fucking ran with it absolutely this will be the the top of
0: our film I put that this is the hallway walk of all hallway walks and we get like at least three or four of them. So yeah, they, this movie does not fall short of the iconic mean girl click walking down the hallway, strutting their shit. I mean, the synchronization yeah. as they come out one by one oh. out of the classroom, mama.
1: The choreography, Mama. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> like, and when you know when you're spoofed in not another teen movie, like that's an iconic moment in a teen movie. Yeah, like when Jamie Presley and her little clique of bad girls do this moment to the same song. Obviously, you've left your mark in pop culture. I know. That's <laughs> From true. Not another teen that's movie, true. right? Exactly. <laughs> no. <laughs> <I was thinking. laughs> <laughs> I love the um, lyrics of that song. They're so beautiful. They're so deep. <laughs> <laughs> They're so deep.
0: I, like, literally, can a song get any deeper? <laughs> 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 um judy greer's narration in the beginning i mean i don't know what it is on judy greer's voice but it, it just rings it's like comforting it is <laughs> like she has this like <laughs> m- i don't know what it is there's like this like way of her speaking that just drives any line that she says to comedy and i love the wonderment <laughs> yeah. in her voice as she explains who these bitches are yeah she's like in awe of them
1: obviously Yes, exactly. So do we want do we want to go down the roll call of these characters? Let's. Alright, so why don't we start with the character of Marcy played by Julie Benz. That's a good one to start with, right? Yeah, that's a great one to start with because she's the least important. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, that's true, that's true, that's true. No so okay. Julie Benz, just- who um any Buffy fans out there know her as the character of Darla, the very first person to ever uh appear on screen in the buffy series so that's kind of wow yeah she is and history um, you know she's yeah history my god she's the first yeah i always notice that whenever i start buffy i'm like oh that's crazy that julie benz is the very first thing you ever see in this show
0: girl what if her Um, name was
1: mercedes (laughs) oh my god mercedes benz not mercedes benz you're so dumb <laughs> yeah, opportunity missed on her parents' part For sure <laughs> <laughs> But so The character Marcy Fox Or Foxy, Foxy. If She likes to be called she, uh, she is The airheaded blonde Of the group And yeah. uh, a complete Follower She's the one that lacks an identity the most.
0: Right. Which is why she keeps trying to make this Foxy thing happen. Which I do think that Mean Girls took a page out of this, where she is sort of the Gretchen Wieners of the group. She knows all of Courtney's dirty shit, and she's just trying to make something happen for herself that makes her stand out from the rest.
1: That's true. But she's also a little bit Karen. Uh, Karen.
0: That's true, she's, too. Like, yeah. It's like, it's she's like they took
1: Marcy Fox, and they like split her in half, and they created Gretchen and Karen.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Because because she, she's like she's like a mix of both. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like she she knows the dirt. She's trying to create her own identity. She's trying to make something happen. She's trying to make fetch happen with this foxy thing. She's like she wants people to call her foxy, but i don't think anybody ever calls her foxy in the movie no one except herself and um, i do
0: think that the Stop original me. material that inspired this as well as being Girls, was obviously heather's and i feel like she's very much oh, in line with like heather down. um mcnamara
1: <laughs> oh yeah absolutely i love i heather mcnamara was always my favorite i don't know why it's i think funny. she's so funny I could go on a rant about Heather McNamara, but that's a different movie. I, think I know, so
0: I know. We'll have to do that separately. She has the
1: funniest lines. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but Julie Benz actually has some hilarious lines in this movie, too. She and does. To, uh, kind of bring up a
0: few of them? She's another one who, like, her line delivery is what sells the dialogue. I'm like, oh
1: my god, this oh, is yeah. hilarious. Yeah, no, totally. She she nails it. So, um, then that brings us to, uh, Rebecca Gayhart's Julie. Yes. And she is our... I mean, she's a kind of our, our heroine, right? She's our yeah, our she- good girl, our bad girl gone good.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, and it seems more so that she and Liz Per are kind of like the good girls of this group. And somehow, I wish it would kind of explain more how all these girls ended up being friends because they're like, well, Julie has that face, right? That Rebecca Gayhart's face is what made her popular, and um, she's also really sweet, and she's Liz's friend. And it's like, okay, well, so they were just destined to be popular, so they just forced themselves together because maybe that's what Courtney needed to be. I don't know. Who knows? But she's the beauty. She's and she's she is this one of the sweeter ones in this. Group,
1: yeah, and it seems like that is what keeps her in this group because once Liz is out of the picture, so is she. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Her connection to this group is not the rest of the girls, it seems to be Liz. Like, Liz seems to be on more of her wavelength than the other girls she's like friends with out of obligation, yeah, because of her face.
0: Exactly, and you did show me this video earlier about analyzing the outfits in Jawbreaker by Modern Girls on YouTube, um, yeah, which was so really hard. insightful as part as yes. the, the the wardrobe. I thought that was really funny how they kind of said that a lot of her, you know, silhouettes and things are kind of childlike in a way, which totally yeah. fell in line with her personality because she plays this like a little girl,
1: and that's kind of a real uh, Rebecca Gayhart Staple. We talked about that in Urban <laughs> Legend, too. Yeah. yeah, we did. I had a friend. Or what did she say? She's like, That happened uh, in my hometown. <laughs> yeah, that's what, it is, that's what it is. Girl, I haven't ever watched <laughs> <laughs> She loves it. That's her go-to. She's like, I'm gonna play this like a little girl. And they're gonna see how, how fucked up that is. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then that brings us to the Queen of Mean herself. The Satan in Heels, Courtney Shane, played by Rose McGowan. I mean, this to me is one of
0: my favorite Rose McGowan. I mean, I think this is my favorite Rose McGowan performance. <laughs> I mean, really? she definitely is Rose McGowan throughout, like, you know. Just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just,
1: this probably just, isn't my favorite Rose McGowan performance, but I, I understand what you're saying. I think yeah. she's great. She, I think She's I'll, so I'll, interesting in this. I'd love to say,
0: I think what hinders some of the performances throughout this movie is the dialogue. Like, it's not very flowy. Sharp. It's not very sharp at all. Right, and nothing blends together. It's like, a couple of things, and then like this one really iconic line, and then a few more conversations. Like, okay, great. And some of the more iconic lines are very forced, because they're unnatural to say... And so yeah, that's
1: a, <laughs> that's one of my criticisms, criticisms, and we'll get into that. But um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> so court, but Courtney Shane, yeah. she is the she's the head bitch in charge, totally. and she is she is pure evil. I will say she is,
0: and I think that Rose McGowan's look in this is stunning. I think it goes perfectly with what the character is and who she is. Uh, if, yeah. Even just her face, her eyebrows, her hair—this
1: like Betty Boop pinup hmm yeah she kind of looks like the. De- she looks like the devil like like a female if I were to think of a female <laughs> devil that isn't Elizabeth Hurley in Bedazzled it'd probably be her seriously yes because she plays this
0: very well with that dark raven hair of hers yeah which, which to me I mean the only thing I had ever seen Rose McGowan in up until Jawbreaker was Scream so
1: oh my god and you were like wait she's not a natural blonde I'm
0: a, wait, I recognize her. <laughs> I thought she was a copper town blonde.
1: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So those are our main girls, and now they're out here pulling this prank, and we kind of mentioned it before that this is all based on something that Darren Stein, this is something that girls at his high school would do. And I feel like that's that makes sense. I feel like that's something that happens. Like you kidnap each other, and like, you know, what well, Little girls do. Since but since
0: today is my seventeenth birthday, I'm hoping that somebody <laughs> plays this prank on me later on.
1: Oh, don't turn around! <laughs> <It's made laughs> <out of> you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my god. But um, so this prank is fucked up, though. Like, first of all why would you it's it something interesting in the writing here i'm like it seems like these other two girls like marcy and julie are not even aware of the plan until after it's be already in effect <laughs> which is i don't know if that's just like like just they're trying to use some exposition to explain what's happening yeah because they they go in they you know one of them sticks a jawbreaker in her mouth and then they're in the car and they're like, "What are we doing?" And she's like, "Well, first we're gonna go get pancakes, and then we're gonna tie her up here." And I'm like, "Shouldn't they already know that in her panties?" Yeah, <laughs> you think like, they let her in? It's crazy. I mean, I mean, maybe that's just like a testament to how much of followers these girls are—is that they didn't even ask what the plan was. They're just going along with whatever Courtney says because mm-hmm. they don't know, have any idea about this plan. So they're shocked when they find out that she stuck a jawbreaker in her mouth. I they're know. Like, Wait. You stuck a jawbreaker in her mouth? It's like, <laughs> well, you didn't know that? You didn't know she was...
0: To quote Marcy Fox when she... Um, when they first find out what the actual plan is, she's like, she is gonna die! <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's great. That's, see, that's funny writing. And it's yeah. subtle. Even though you don't... It's not, you know, she's yelling it out loud, but, like, the foreshadowing is there. It's actually kind of funny.
0: Okay, I have a question for you. The first actress did you hear about this who the first actress was to ever read this script to no. considering to be in it and loved it but said like now like I, I'm beyond high school roles. well the intention was to cast older girls in these because his inspiration was Heather's and also Grease right and he said because of the material he just wanted older women to play um, these teenage sure. girls and so one right. of the first Marilyn people Monroe that's <laughs> <laughs> Betty White no <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so the first actress to sit down with Darren Stein and read the script and in its entirety was Parker Posey. Oh my god. <laughs> Who do you she think she would have played? Marcy. Marcy. <laughs> I think she played Mar- For sure. Can you imagine? I know. I also see her kind of as a Courtney, but
1: uh, I don't this know. movie would not I be mean, this movie
0: without Rose's Courtney. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. No. Totally. I don't know. I would see her more as a Marcy. Like she has that like w- that mouth that weird speaking voice that would just like yeah really fit or well Fern. with like, the what Fern. What if she played Fern? Oh, oh, she would actually be really funny as
0: Fern, right? Especially when she turns into my viola- Oh my God, that would have been iconic oh too.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great... Yeah, that's hilarious. But yeah, she's a little... um, I think the term is long in the tooth for that role. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Okay, so when they pull over and they're ready to unveil to us the audience that Liz is now dead, um, this starts one of the motifs I learned about early on that Stein did for this film that's not really talked about as much, but it's... um, having these girls be seen by the audience as icy characters especially Courtney mm. um, so this starts this motif that plays on throughout a few times which is the reflection of Courtney on the hood of the car and the car is sort of like this steel blue color oh, and interesting. Um, they do it again like in the hallways and they do it when they're carrying her body and they show the reflection into the pool so it carries throughout like this sort of like mirror icy Ice reflection queen. of of Courtney yeah
1: interesting wow yeah um this movie loves a motif and it has several of them so that totally tracks yeah and so so then they get to this diner and they open the trunk and this is pretty grisly i would say like when they they open it up and she's like dead and you see (laughs) that jawbreaker in her throat you're like oh that is, it's it's jarring. That's pretty, you're like, that's oh, pretty, yeah, it's pretty shocking. You're like, oh, oh my god. I think and every time I watch this movie, my reaction and the people that I'm watching it with usually is like, ah. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because at first you don't see it. You just see that she has like her eyes are like obviously like she's like dead eyes, but then they kind of back away, and then you see it, and you're like, holy shit! Yeah. First of all, I don't. I mean is that possible to do to swallow something that big an entire I mean, maybe... jawbreaker yeah and it just stuck <laughs> in there but also jesus christ this would be absolutely painful and yeah. like just horrendous like you would suffocate like I oh know. god i can't imagine but
0: honestly she looks beautiful
1: oh my god those blue eyes are stunting
0: Stunning. It kind of reminds me of Meryl Streep and Death Becomes Her when they do that. Yeah. Um, when they ask uh, her, them for touch-ups, and they have those bright blue oh, yeah. eyes. Gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous.
1: Stunning. Yeah, those contacts. <laughs> but at first I was like, is
0: this a prosthetic body? But no, it was really her, the actress. Yeah. You
1: know what? She's like Gumby. She's just no bones. <laughs> 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 um... And then we have... So we have this moment. They're all freaking out. And uh, Courtney takes a picture of it. Um, and then we have an opening title sequence again. we This is a thing, hopefully, of the past. We don't see many of these anymore. But this one was kind of interesting. Because I was like, you know what? I never thought I needed to know how a jawbreaker was made. <laughs> but now I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, um, okay, this makes more sense once... Um, it's more explained, like the you know jawbreaker as a metaphor for who these girls are, and you know, yeah.
1: Um,
0: but I, I think breaking it's breaking gr- jaws. I think it's interesting because even though you know, like the again, we like we've been talking about these credits go so long, and so it is nice yeah, to Jesus. just kind of have like this moment of with this sure. jawbreaker, especially because the movie's not about a jawbreaker,
1: <laughs> right? At least it's like interesting to watch or. I mean, I was. Maybe that's just me. I was like, whoa, how cool. I never realized how that that was made. It's like that show How Things Are
0: Made, where you're just like, watching candy bars go. Like, wow, this is fascinating. Oh my (laughs) god.
1: I never knew that's how they made a Twinkie. Like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But this movie's also not very long at all, so I can understand why they probably needed uh, a title sequence this long mm-hmm. to, I don't know, pad the runtime a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. And there's some nightmarish scenes like Away Camp 2 padded throughout, too. Like, okay.
1: Bitch. I we'll see you,
0: bitch. That. I see your runtime, bitch.
1: Okay. Ah.
0: <laughs> Horrified, Julie wants to go to the police, but Courtney forbids her. Seemingly unaffected, Courtney calls school pretending to be Liz's mother and tells them Liz woke up with a blistering fever and will be absent. To keep up appearances, Courtney, Marcy, and Julie go to school, strutting down the hallway as if nothing happened. They are soon approached
1: by Miss Sherwood, played
0: by Carol Kane. Oh
1: my god, I'm. I. I love her just so much I love her in any role but
0: I love her in this role especially
1: (laughs) Miss Lynch from Greece. that's what she reminds me of
0: oh yeah 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 totally Uh, Miss Sherwood lets them know Liz will be out sick and she needs one of them to stop by her office after school so they can pick up and deliver Liz's homework for the day after school the girls reconvene to figure out a plan on what to do with Liz Marcy suggests they pry the jawbreaker out with her eyelash curlers (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> she's so dumb <laughs> but actually that's not, I mean no that is dumb <laughs> it's not a terrible idea
0: you can kind of fish it down there and then grab it and pull it out
1: <laughs> yeah you're right yeah of course or just slice
0: open her throat and just scoop it out you know how it's kind of like a spoon shaped mm.
1: yeah 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 they should have just got an ice cream scoop <laughs>
0: why not Courtney suggests they put Liz back in bed and comes up with a very elaborate story on which Liz hooked up with a kinky guy who raped Liz while gagging her with a jawbreaker. Julie isn't buying into the story that Courtney convinces her that people will believe it because it's their worst nightmare. Elizabeth Purr, the very picture of teenage perfection obliterated by perversion. Just then, Courtney remembers she was supposed to pick up Liz's homework. Fern stops by Miss Sherwood's office where Sherwood asks Fern to take Liz her homework since Courtney never showed. Fern is ecstatic, saying it would be an honor because Liz is the cat's meow. Girl.
1: <laughs> That's my favorite line in the whole movie, but keep going. Meow. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I
0: As Miss Sh- so <laughs> Sherwood leaves school, Courtney, Marcy, and Julie catch up to her asking about Liz's homework. Miss Sherwood reveals she gave the homework to Fern Mayo. The girls rush off to put Liz back in bed before Fern can get to her house.
1: <laughs> so Um at the top of this section, we uh have the girls trying to figure out what to do next, right? And yeah. in this part, there's just some very strange and like Weird and chaotic dialogue that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think Darren's editing had these, like, is so
0: weird too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The transitions from one thing
1: to the other. Pew! Um, yeah. Pew! <laughs> Pew! <laughs> I'm like, what is this? What's happening? There's I think like Darren- specifically that one edit when they like drive up to, they're like driving up to the house in the car, and it, like, is it you see them in the car, and then it shows like a far view of the car, but then all of a sudden. It's in the car. I'm like, what is, are these cuts? This is oh, so yeah. Weird. The
0: cuts are really weird here. But like you said, the dialogue is really mm, Strange. weird. I think that Darren Stein had in his head like, oh, my God, this line is so funny and so funny. And I do, I will admit that the the lines that he has come up with are really clever. And I think they're really well written. But it's just hard to deliver those. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like, the one that gets me, which I'm like, I'm still perplexed by what this is supposed to be, how this is supposed to be funny, but I feel like there's something funny in here, but I don't know what it is. It's one where she goes, after Courtney makes the phone call, (laughs) and she goes, um, she, like, hangs up, and Marcy goes, that was really good, and she goes, what do you mean? And she goes, oh, you know, I just, I feel like you're, you're in control, and she's like, oh, thanks or whatever she says i was like what if, <laughs> why was she confused when she told her that she was really good at that i was like that was really good i know i i think where it clicks for me
0: is that she goes I, um <laughs> like you're i think the only way i can make sense of it is she goes that was really good and she's like uh, did you expect something less of me like of course it was really good <laughs> so she's like
1: and what do you so, mean i mean maybe that's what it is but it doesn't feel like she she delivers it that way she looks genuinely confused she's like, like what do you mean what do you what do you mean? Like almost like she's concerned, like she did something wrong. I mean, but I guess maybe that is right. <laughs> it's just like weird moments like that, like which is like, what do you mean? She's like, oh you're, yeah, you're in control. And she's like, oh, okay. Or I don't know. It's like, like clunky, clunky I moments like that. That I'm like, this there there was maybe something funny in here, but the fact that I'm having to go, wait, why is What's that going funny? On? means it like sort of misses the mark you're like oh yeah. man that could have uh, been this funny
0: is, this is kind of what I was saying about like the flow of things doesn't really work like yeah. Marcy's saying like that was really good and she goes I- I'm just saying you're in control it's like that those are two different thoughts but uh yeah. <laughs> sure like yeah like, off, where's the,
1: like where's <laughs> there was like no punchline it was like a setup for a joke and then there was no punchline She's yeah like, oh. i will have to say a
0: lot of this dialogue and the way they they deliver the dialogue reminds me of a john waters film like very crybaby, Hi, yeah. very hairspray you know especially the look of it like the like the very bright colors and the you know it's like a satire of of a time and a moment in time it's kind of weird but yeah
1: i love it yeah no i see that for sure so then they go to school with a dead body and they're drunk, which is funny.
0: It is, it is funny. It's the thought of it is hilarious, especially when they're like,
1: we're gonna go into the school, like everything's peachy fucking keen. I mean, if he was really going for that grease vibe, that's literally a line from Grease is peachy keen. Peachy hey, Rit, I think he, I think he says something to Rizzo, which is funny because who has a cameo later in this movie? Kinnicky. Yeah, and she says peachy keen jelly bean. So obviously, there's like there is a meld in this world of like that '50s and '90s world. Yeah, which also I think
0: helps make this movie a little timeless, just because it's sort of like when Grease, like, and I'm not kidding. We know the difference between 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. However, there are some people who do not, and I feel like because Grease is such an iconic movie, oh, people think that
1: looks like the 50s. No, yes, yes, and that
0: movie full 70s, full 70s, and people, I feel like that have seen Grease and have ingrained Grease into their mind. Like easily mistake the fifties for the seventies and seventies for the fifties, and I'm like, no, yeah,
1: i so like those high ponytails and like, no, 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 like, no, Greece is
0: so seventies, so seventies, and this movie is so nineties, but 90s. it has this like fifties vibe that you're like, wait, when yeah. when does this take place? I got exactly. certain screenshots. You're like, when does this movie take place?
1: Yeah, like I don't want to be in my fifties. I'm in my twenties. I love that. Rock love of that. love. <laughs> Season
0: two. <laughs>
1: Megan. Yeah. So um this is when we really get a sense that Courtney is a a budding sociopath. Like yes. she is not concerned at all that her friend is dead. She is the one that actually killed her friend. She's the one that put the jawbreaker in her mouth. Which she admitted earlier and now she is like her only concern is not getting caught like it's right. not like oh my god my friend is dead her life is over all you know what about uh-huh. all the good times no she's like oh well I just don't want to get caught so she has yeah. no she has no Remorse. feelings yeah about what I- she's just done and so we are we're getting a real clear sense of what the evil that is Courtney Shane I think one
0: of the things that Rose really did very well with her portrayal as Courtney was that she approached it from this place of, yes, Courtney is a sociopath, and I understand that, but when people are sociopaths, they don't realize that they're sociopaths. So, like,
1: no. Most villains a, don't realize that they're villains.
0: That they're villains, they don't, and I-
1: You can't play a villain like that. You have to right. play a villain as if you, what you are doing- is makes what sense. you think is best?
0: Yeah, totally. And so I think that any like any actor having that approach to playing a villain, it just works really well because, like, in my head I'm thinking like, would I do this? <laughs> like, what? What? If I, she <laughs> sort of makes me confused. I'm like. I guess you kind of would freak out, like Sorority Row, where you're like, I guess I kind of would freak out and right. be like, do I, can I get away with this? No, 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 I have to go to the police.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. I mean, she, she's sort of, you know, the devil on the shoulder in that situation. Exactly. But that just you fully know, the, takes over. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah, so exactly. We have, we have Julie as the little angel on our shoulder and we have, uh, you know, courtney as a little devil and then marcy's just in the clouds
0: (laughs) (laughs) she's like whatever sure
1: (laughs) she's like whatever Um, i
0: i did write somewhere in here that there are real there's really interesting camera work here the angles the panning the depth because we sort of see them go throughout the day after that playing at peachy cane and oh yeah the depth of like Uh, Courtney being so up close to the camera and then you see Dane in the background sort of giving her the (laughs) (laughs) like
1: some of these sound effects are so strange just like the transitions Yeah, exactly. And then
0: there's like this weird panning, like the teacher cracking the egg and then you pan out and then the goth girl and the, and I sort of like how the goth girl and um, Marcy are sitting across from each other. And they're like, almost like, because they have the same haircut, they're
1: almost like mirror images of each other. (laughs) I thought that was really cool. (laughs) (laughs) They do. They have that same like blonde bob. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, you got a stillborn. Like, it was just and she's like, Ew, she sticks her finger it. in it. I feel like every 90s movie has that weird goth girl in it. Not her specifically, but a weird goth girl. And girl. Just hanging around. Gone. So then uh, I, I, like, I, I like when they uh, kick the girls out of the bathroom. I think that scene is so funny. Yeah. When, all like, right, bitches. Walk- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, this is like playing on every mean girl click movie that's ever happened there's always a a bathroom scene or a few Mm -hmm. because I guess that's where girls go to retouch their war paint you know exactly they're they're out here you know fighting the fight you know looking hot looking sexy having exactly. the power and and this is where they put on their armor. And so I think that's, I think it's a really interesting like uh setting that always ends up in films. I mean, we see it in Scream, we see it in Mean Girls, we mm-hmm. see it in Heathers. Like there's always a bathroom scene um always. with these girls. Yeah, totally. We also see in in this bathroom scene that this is where ju- like jewelry. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> jewelry. <laughs> uh, jewelry. Where j- Julie, uh, where Julie is already beginning to like defect, like you know she seems friendly with Fern, who is in the bathroom. She's like, "Oh, hey, Fern!" Like, obviously, she is an outsider in this clique. Like what? Like we said earlier, like was Liz the only thing keeping her around? Like she doesn't really seem to have much in common with Courtney and Marcy at all. Right. Um, She seems to be on a different wavelength.
0: Ju- like Liz Purr because I think one of the things we forgot to mention both in the synopsis and our discussion is that in the intro when they're introducing the girls you see Fern Mayo sort of pop up and she drops her paperwork and the only one that stops to help her is Liz Purr whereas everybody else is just kind of stepping over her <laughs> to get to the class. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Totally. And so uh, ma- yeah Julie is definitely more in line with the Liz's of the world and, and Liz we ha- haven't really talked too much about but Liz and Courtney I, I don't know if they were, like, sort of, like, dueling captains or something, but they were, like, you know, these they're kind of both the leaders except for one ruled with, like, terror. kindness and the other one ruled with terror. And yeah. so I think there's a dynamic where I think Courtney is probably really happy that Liz is dead, even though she may not have meant to do it. I think she is happy she's dead because... People probably gravitated more towards Liz because she was nicer than Courtney. But yeah. now that Liz is gone, she is the only head bitch around, and um, I think that makes her happy. And Yeah, I think that dri- and that now was.
0: she's taking like full control. She's like, finally, yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's she's been waiting for this moment so that it, it may may have just fallen in her lap, but she's gonna she's gonna take it and run. It's sort of like
0: when Marie Antoinette became queen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just started spending all the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, wait. If
0: you were um, in this movie of the, in this clique of girls, which one would you be?
1: Mm, I'm a Julie. I'm. Steve you are Hi. Julie.
0: You are Julie.
1: Who would you be? Um, Violet. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was gonna
0: say probably because I'm a Gemini, but also like I can, you know. Go back and forth personality wise. Probably Fern and Violet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I do want to be Courtney, of course. Yeah. Doesn't? Everybody wants to be Courtney.
1: Everybody wants to be Courtney. Alice Shane. <laughs> yeah. And so um, then we have the scene outside where they're they're talking about um, the the plan. Like they're trying to figure out what to do, right? With this dead and body. And with this dead body. And um this is so 90s because the 90s were honestly obsessed with the idea of rape. Like it is, crazy. yeah.
0: This isn't a lot of movies, and even the discussion and, and TV. Of it. And oh my TV. gosh! So,
1: so, I'm, so my roommate and I, um, usually when I'm editing, uh, we'll put on uh, the X Files. Just we'll have it playing because we, we we started it because we we're like, you know what? Neither of us have ever seen this. We mm-hmm. just put it on in the background usually, so I'm not. 100% paying attention to it but we're watching The X-Files right and almost every Episode from the, uh, from the 90s Which is most of them Every single episode somebody's being raped And we're like what is it about the 90s and they were just fascinated With with like having characters Raped and mm-hmm. I, I think that's a Very that's, That exists in this movie too Because uh, Courtney's initial Reaction is to be like well They're gonna check if she's raped right and then <laughs> let's you know let's create this uh, narrative that she was raped by some guy, and that will get us off scot-free. And I'm like, wow, I'm like, like I get it. like this is like a dark satire, but I yeah. do feel like it does doesn't really hold up too much because it does kind of no. normalize rape a little bit like like duh of course I believe she was raped like that's normal to happen to a teenage girl I'm yeah like, it's like their worst nightmare aged-
0: but it's also very plausible like yeah this is
1: yeah and it's like oh god it, it, it doesn't really uh, I don't think it really aged well this sort with, of plan to have her be right. raped with where we're at now uh, yeah uh-uh. yeah it just hasn't but you know We'll take it what it is in this movie. So they, they, uh, I'm
0: sure it was p- even uncomfortable given Rose McGowan's story to, like,
1: sure, be like this
0: Chuck. nonchalant with it.
1: Yeah, totally. To be this There's a fine line between pleasure and pain. Pain. There's a fine line between pleasure and pain. For delivery. I know there's also this weird obsession with kink in this movie which is so random kink even when she says kink she like kinks her head it's like really funny with kink i think that was maybe just because that's where
0: she was in her career at that time i mean that's why marilyn manson makes it like yeah boo boo boo, i know him every time we hear him Uh, yeah.
1: yeah this is this has that weird thing I do love some of the lines in this moment. So first I love when Marcy is, uh, uh, when she <laughs> says that, that Liz was maybe practicing sucking on the jawbreaker. She's like, ah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and swallowing <That's>... And <laughs> Um I do love that. And then my, uh, one of my other actual favorite lines is when she goes, <laughs> I was supposed to pick Liz's homework for Mrs. Sherwood, but I forgot. Oh yeah. She says, um, uh, what if she took it herself? Oh yeah. What if she took it herself? We'll have to kill her. And she goes, (gasps) and she goes did you see her face? (laughs) (laughs) Did you see
0: your face? Did you see your face? I know, (laughs) just the idea of like, what are you saying right now? Uh, (laughs) Did you see her face? Like how she delivers that is so weird. and so funny. Oh my God, you're so silly. Um, (laughs) She she might as well call her silly Billy. Um, (laughs) My favorite line from this always is when (laughs) Julie Venn's, as Marcy says, we can get it out. I've got eyelash colors. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of a Gwendy doll from Small Soldier. <laughs> oh my
1: god. Let's see if her head comes off. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> it is really funny. Um, so they decide to stage a rape scene with the body, but then they realize, oh shit, we've got the homework, so then we have this sort of scene with uh where we kind of actually see Fern Mayo. And Oh no, that's not true. We saw we saw her in the bathroom, but we find out what makes her tick and what makes her tick is Liz. She oh, has girl. this crazy, she's, she's an obsession with this girl. Um, and she, uh, we learned that from another one of my favorite lines. This whole section has some really funny moments. Yeah. Is when, um, she's, uh, Ms. Sherwood played by Carol Kane. She goes, do you know Liz Purr? And she goes, you mean meow? <laughs> and she's like, excuse me. Excuse she's me. Like, <laughs> She's the cat's meow, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's <laughs> so funny!" I don't know why that line. This is the cat's meow. But I love how she like re- she refers to her as meow. Well, this is the first time that we get this like
0: sort of question: Is um, Fern a lesbian? Hell yeah! I'm just kidding. No, I don't know. There's nothing that rules it out except that she makes out with that guy, but that's for a car. Anybody would do that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, is there some queer undertone here? I mean, o- I mean, obviously, the, the fact that she's obsessed with this girl, but they, it's never explicitly romantic. It's just, no. you know, I think that she po- obviously embodies a life and, um, you know, a status that Fern could never even dream of having at this point. Mm-hmm. And so she just, like, she is the teen dream. Like, she's the dream that somebody like Fern Yeah. Would aspire to. I feel like between this and then even just what we get, like the cat's meow,
0: and just like. The nervousness she has in the next section, yeah. and like the it does the, like going up to stuff like she talks about. Yeah, exactly. It's like she's her, like practicing, like her, talking crush. To her crush, like and... what is going on. So I, I don't know. In a way, I like to think that Fern is like bisexual or pansexual or something. Oh, maybe.
1: I mean, they they do say that she's bi later in the movie.
0: Yeah, and they keep making like lesbian jokes at her. So maybe well, yeah. she told them something off screen that we didn't see.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because when when they're talking to the drama, or the drama club is talking about her. and I hear she's bi and they're like that's fabulous or something like that yeah
0: oh my god (gasps) that moment with Ashley Tisdale
1: (laughs) Ashley Tisdale (laughs) that's that girl reminds me of in the (laughs) truck does she I thought she looked like somebody's fucking homeless mom I don't know know (laughs) (laughs) Fern walks on cloud nine as she makes her way to Liz's house However, the girls arrive first and unload Liz's body, clumsily carrying her upstairs and placing her back into bed. As Courtney and Marcy attempt to pose Liz's corpse to make it look like she's been attacked, Fern approaches the house, waiting to ring the doorbell until she rehearses what she'll say. Julie sits at Liz's vanity, picking up a recordable birthday card from the previous year's prank. When she opens it, the card exclaims, What are you doing to me? in Liz's voice. Marcy screams as she shifts Liz's head, saying Liz looked at her. Outside, Fern hears the scream and becomes concerned, deciding to enter the house to investigate. As Fern makes her way into the house, Courtney steps back from the bed to admire her work. She snatches the birthday card from a distracted Julie so she can examine the crime scene. Julie pleads with Courtney one last time to go to the police, but Courtney tells her she is looking after them and Julie is being unappreciative. Julie storms out, but as she opens the bedroom door, Fern is standing there having overheard every last word, and then she sees Liz's mangled, posed body. Fern attempts to flee the house screaming, but the girls catch her, and Courtney confesses to the murder. To buy Fern's silence, Courtney tells Fern she can make her beautiful and popular, convincing her to take Liz's place. Alright so uh, I really like this first shot that happens of them carrying uh, her body across the lawn and it's just the their feet and they're all sort of wearing the same pump but in different colors like these like bright yes. sort of so neon cute. colors. I was like ooh that's so cute. Their
0: stockings with the um, with the, the seam, seam that... in the back oh my god so Yeah cute. what an
1: interesting choice I was like who the hell wears stockings in high school but do you know what I'm living.
0: I know, and you know the the costume designer. I forget her name, Vicky something or other. um yeah. she um, helped Mona May do Clueless and Romeo and yeah. Michelle's high school reunion,
1: which are ugh, the fashions in those movies are so iconic. I mean, I love that. I love that. <laughs> you know what my dream is? You know what uh, my dream what? is. I'm gonna go on a tangent not a tangent but
0: my favorite shot of this um beginning moment of this section is um when Fern smells that rose and there's a, a fucking c- a Ew, caterpillar know, craw- like a, a centipede crawling like, across Ugh. it
1: I know maybe that was like a, it's an omen centipedes mean death right I don't know I feel like I see that in in other movies oh really I don't like know the, the ring h- is there a centipede in the ring video the,
0: the human centipede <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes yes yeah, that I wanted to die after watching that, so <laughs> just kidding, I've I never love seeing that movie and I don't plan on seeing that movie.
0: I do kinda like these shots of Fern too. It's sort of like um Carrie I would compare it to Carrie. Yeah, so creepy Carrie, she creepy like, Carrie.
1: Yeah, should look looks like Carrie walking home
0: but also I would um, compare it well actually yes and and, uh, also Halloween like um, Laurie Strode walking down the street before something life altering happens that will change their life forever you know sure
1: yeah but Laurie Strode is way cooler yeah but this is very
0: this is very Carrie obviously and the huge inspiration and Judy Greer ended up playing Miss Desjardins and Carrie (laughs) and then Charlotte Ayana who plays Liz Purr she was in the Rage Carrie too she was the mean girl Tracy And then her parents were in Carrie.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of Carrie in this movie. Even before they, even you know, obviously they had yeah. no concept that a remake of Carrie was going to be made. But I mean, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It. This mo- yeah, and this movie has yeah. so many uh, connections to Carrie.
0: I mean, we haven't gotten there yet. But William Cat and P.J. Souls play the mom and dad, and P.J. Souls was Norma, and William Cat was Tommy Ross. Crazy, crazy, isn't that Crazy, Carrie, yeah, could be
1: Carrie. So then, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I like. So then, we have the scene in the bedroom where they're like staging this rape, and um, I think it's really smart that they uh, they obviously try to make Julia's as le- least. Well, how do I say this? The least involved in it. They like sort yeah. of sit her at the desk because they're like, we need to give uh, her an excuse to not be as implicated in this as the rest of them. She's sort of. So we we'll put her at the desk. We'll give her some busy work. Yeah. She's not over here staging a rape. She's, yeah, she feels bad. She's, she actually has remorse for the fact that her friend is fucking dead. She wants to go to to the police. That's right. That's right. And then Marcy, on the other hand, she's just full on minion. She's doing all the bidding. Whatever Courtney wants, Courtney gets. She's like, rip her underwear. Do this. Do that.
0: Meanwhile, Fern's outside practicing how she's going to talk to Liz, saying... Um, it's me, Fern Mayo. Like, hold the mayo? <laughs> like, hold the mayo? Oh my god.
1: <laughs> that name is so funny. It's like, obviously, because mayo is associated with just being plain, and or whatever. Literally. They should have just named her fucking Tuna Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> tuna Mayo. Fern Miracle Whip. <laughs> yeah, fuck. So, then we have this, like, I killed the teenage dream moment, where... It, Obviously this this comes into play later because it's recorded on the uh, on the birthday card. I don't really yeah. love this line. I think it's kind of awkward. Like
0: I get it's one of those out of place lines. Yeah. It, it just yeah. like
1: doesn't flow it, like just saying I killed the teenage or I killed the teen dream. It like doesn't mm-hmm. flow very well. I'm yeah. um, like that sounds awkward. I like, killed who says that. I killed the teen dream. Deal with that. Yeah, <laughs> what is that what does that even mean? Like, and also, I mean, I guess I kind of explained what I think it means. Obviously, she's like, mm-hmm. the a perfect teen, but it just feels weird. Like, who says, who refers it's to the natural, the teen, teen dream?
0: dream. I know, it's so yeah. ridiculous. Um, and then also my favorite, uh, one of my favorite dialogue parts in this moment is when Marcy <laughs> shifts Liz's head. <laughs> and she oh, <laughs> she she screams, She looked at me! <laughs> and she goes, uh, Her eyes are open, Marcy. She's bound to look somewhere. <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny to me. I feel like you deliver it better than she delivered it. <laughs> I know, probably. Uh, okay, so actually... I'm I wrote in here that in my research that Darren Stein said that he did make Fern Mayo um, sexually ambiguous.
1: Yeah, totally. She had, yeah, there's no way she's not. Like, obviously, she has a fat crush on this girl.
0: Okay, I have a question too. Um, When did Liz say, What are you doing to me? (laughs)
1: Literally, I'm like, Never. She never said that. And who pressed the card to record it? Yeah, that's poor writing. Like, that never happened. What are you doing to me? That never happened. it's like she's in the room. Like, did she say that on a different night? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's clunky, that's clunky writing. Out sure. of, there are out of place lines. It's like they're great, yeah. but yeah, the the script could have used a little something, some uh, there, um, There's so also then, this
0: part where Fern walks in, and Courtney says, "I'm Courtney. I don't think we've formally met, given the cruel politics of high school and all." It's like, there's better ways to say that.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, sometimes it just sounds like they're speaking in alien language, like, or like how they speak it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Razor. (laughs) Bimmy bitch. Um, Yeah. I agree with that. And then, um, so then we finally have this, we have the deal with the devil, you know, with Satan and heels where um, Courtney is really living up to her name at this point. Like she's the devil and she has a lot of power. And, you know, mm-hmm. and at this point, I think Fern takes full advantage of the opportunity and sacrifices her morals along the way. You know, in a, in, in a way, it's like Fern's opportunity to become Liz. This girl that she's all be obsessed with. But now that that girl's dead, what better way to get close to her than to become her?
0: Become her. I know. I, <laughs> I do like when Courtney says... You're the shadow, and we're the sun. Like, when she's trying to convince (laughs) her, like, BS. Yeah, I've heard you use that one before. (laughs) Yes, yeah, I've used it before, because it's, like, one of those lines that's, like, in my head, like... you're the shadow and I'm the sun (laughs) (laughs) Um, Courtney's whole monologue here to Fern I think works really well this is one of the moments where the lines are kind of like over the top but they do work well together like I could see myself doing an audition using this monologue and just taking Fern's parts out
1: (laughs) When she's like yeah, and I think that there's something good about like how they uh, exaggerate um, the power that these high school students have because they are sort of in their own little kingdom, right? Like the kingdom yeah. of high school. And she's like, she's in high school. She's this powerful being, and she's like, you know, you want to be loved, you want to be feared, you want to, you know, using like words like that. And it, it's true, like so that's that is her place in her in her kingdom. And uh, I think she really convinces Fern pretty easily. I know. Because, you know, she's given an opportunity of a lifetime. The only problem is is that she has to sacrifice a little bit of who she is in order to become (laughs) this person that she's not. I know. She can only be so heartbroken over Liz. But given this opportunity, she
0: has to seize the moment. Um, I I do like when Courtney says to her, (laughs) you knew Liz, right? And she goes, I know of her. Knew of her, Fern she's yeah. dead she died <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's blunt that's what I'm saying she's like very yeah. sociopathic tendencies where like lines like that are delivered with I ease like she's I-C-E's. no problem that's a she's, perfect she, way of explaining it she has accepted that she's dead we killed her yeah. and now where do we go from here what do you you know I need you to not speak and I'm you know what can I do for you this is it
0: Liz's parents return home to discover Liz's body, which looks like it has now been repositioned once again. Courtney gives Fern a makeover, transforming her from plain and awkward to elegant and beautiful. The touch of crimson red.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, What is happening? <laughs>
0: <laughs> they return to school. Julie warns them that Liz's parents came home, but Courtney is not phased, saying she made cock sure they wouldn't get caught. Courtney then threatens a confused Julie, saying if she tells, they will all turn against her and tell the police she killed Liz. Wait, I'll saw you. Why would they
1: believe that anyway?
0: <laughs> I know, sorority row. Um, yeah, literally. <laughs> at lunch, Courtney's boyfriend, Dane, played by Ethan Erickson, approaches their table. Literally, James
1: Marsden. <laughs> literally. Also, a Buffy alum but he's like in like three episodes where he plays the exact same character.
0: Oh my God.
1: He's just hopping from one set to the other in 99. Courtney
0: introduces Fern as a new student named
1: Violet.
0: Julie, sickened by Fern's takeover and overwhelmed by guilt at her part in Liz's death, breaks away from the clique, only to be reviled by Courtney and Marcy. Down and out and about to take the bus, <laughs> The judgment. <laughs> Julie accepts a ride home from drama student Zach, played by Chad Christ. Okay, I want to say Christ every time I say this word. Chad Christ. Yeah. You know, Chad like Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> They're, They're cousins. Him.
1: <laughs>
0: but Julie gives Zach her number. Later that night, Julie calls Fern and attempts to bring her back down to earth by bringing up elementary school memories they have together. Their call is interrupted by Courtney, who is preparing for a night with Dane by filing her toenails. <laughs> <laughs> when Dane is over, Courtney seduces him into giving a blowjob to a big stick popsicle. Their foreplay is soon interrupted by police bringing a message to Courtney. At Marcy's house, Marcy's dad, played by Kenickie, I mean, Jeff (laughs) Conaway, expresses his concerns to Marcy that she may be a follower. Their conversation is also interrupted by a doorbell ring. Back at Julie's house, Julie looks out at her pool, seeing visions of a ghostly Liz going for a swim. (laughs) Girl... Julie's mom runs outside telling something to Julie and embracing her in tears.
1: Word has gotten out that Liz is dead. So we have the beginning of this sequence, which is the first of like several weird like fever dream moments that happen in this movie that are so bizarre and I'm like, what is happening? Who are these people? What am I watching? like seriously we like have gone into like a fully different I don't know movie which is really weird but it's like these people giving uh Fern this makeover and it almost seems to me like they're making a like a parallel between this and like Frankenstein
0: yeah Darren Stein said that Violet getting her makeover Fern to Violet makeover juxtaposed with um the sort of autopsy of um Uh, Liz uh, Purr that his goal was to be very, like, mad scientist laboratory, and that his biggest inspirations were Frankenstein and Rocky Horror Picture Show.
1: Okay, then, yeah, okay. That makes sense, then. Yeah, it feels like that. It feels like a a Frankenstein moment, which is But who are these people? Are they really the people that were at the salon? (laughs) I I guess, and, like, why are there... It's just so bizarre and like feels a little out of place, but it's like, okay, sure, whatever. I mm-hmm. guess we're in a fever. It is dream. weird.
0: The woman who um, plays the, you know, makeover lady, um, she's yeah. actually friends with Darren Stein, and her image that I guess she has in her day to day life is, was a huge inspiration for who Violette becomes.
1: Oh, interesting. So interesting. she's just a random
0: cameo by some random ass girl.
1: Okay. All right.
0: First, we get our third hallway strut. Oh yeah, the damn hallway.
1: This time, featuring Fern as part of the clique, right? And uh, you know, she's a little more conservative. This is something that uh, was brought up in that video we mentioned earlier about how her outfit is. While it's new and it's definitely yeah. not how she used to look, it's still definitely a little more conservative compared to uh, Courtney. Who's, who literally looks like she should be in Grease Lightning. She's like... She's, <laughs>
0: literally is Rizzo. <laughs>
1: she, yeah, she literally looks like Rizzo. And, uh, but she's like all in purple, which is like she—it's the color of royalty. The I thought royalty. that was brilliant. You know, she's the queen now. There's yeah. no Liz, her in the way. And now Fern is now wearing the same color that Liz was wearing in the beginning. She's in, she, Her yeah. new thing is the pink. And then Marcy's over here, you know, she's sort of a mix of things, because she has no identity of her own.
0: Yeah. I do like how they did mention that the two, that Marcy and Fern are kind of in this, like, florally print, like, even though they're very different, like, they still have this floral print, and then Courtney is such a standout in her regal purple color, and that that kind of shifts our perception as the audience. Like, before, everybody was sort of eclectic, and while they complimented each other, they still had their own styles, but now it's yeah. like Courtney is front and center, and these are just her two fucking minions,
1: right? Exactly. Even when they show that that shot from behind them of their of their legs, because you see that Fern and Marcy have the tights with the seam, and Courtney's wearing a pair of you know cigarette, cigarette pants. pants, yeah. <laughs> and So <laughs> it's like those are her two minions that are sort of indistinguishable from each other, and she's her own her own being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, before we get into the cafeteria scene,
0: Liz's mom and dad come home, Tommy, Ross, and Norma, and they discover that their daughter is dead. And I think this is kind of a cool moment. It almost kind of reminds me of the direction that Rob Zombie took in his version of Halloween, where there's like Mm. this sort of tableau and there's just camera flashes going off. Oh, yeah. I thought this was a cool moment for this movie. Yeah.
1: And then you do notice that she's in a different position. She doesn't look yes. the same as when they uh, when they posed her before. So some she's something's been tampered with.
0: Yeah, she was. It's sort a of a verti- subtle thing, but it's sort of subtle. Like before, she was vertical, and now she's slightly horizontal.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is yeah definitely different than how they left her.
0: But honestly, as the audience member, are we really thinking about that at this point? Because no, the editing of this movie has been so wonky. That's far. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like. <laughs> Literally, and it gets worse. <laughs> she could have been upside
0: down, and nobody would have yeah. said anything. We're like, yeah, whatever,
1: whatever. This movie doesn't care. <laughs> so finally, we get to this uh, cafeteria scene where they literally walk in, and Courtney's just bragging about herself. She's like, "I'm a god, whatever."
0: <laughs> yeah, like you're my creation. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I'm God. That's all you need to know, or whatever she says. And um, we do see Julie oh. for the uh, you know for the first time since. Uh, the Fern makeover and, and it looks like Julie has Distanced herself from the clique and she Looks completely different now She yeah. no longer shares the same aesthetic As the rest of the girls so she's or, she's Completely done she's back to looking Like a 90s girl while the rest of these Girls look like these like 1950s Like pinup barbies Pin-ups. I do like that they uh,
0: Introduced the idea that Courtney is probably the one that set the retro standard, and that yeah. when you're out of the clique, you're you're one of the you know regular '90s girls. But when you're there, you're chic, you're cool, you're retro.
1: Yeah, no, I do love that. So yeah, we have a little bit moment where with between her and Julie, between Courtney and Julie, where they argue and and. Some reason, Courtney says that we're all gonna blame you if you say anything. And I'm like, who's gonna believe that? We- you need evidence, not just people saying they did it. Like, yeah, you know, but whatever. We're
0: all, we all saw you, Julie.
1: But I, but it does like. Sh- you know, really show that Courtney is ruthless and that she's willing to throw people that you supp- you thought she supposedly cared about under the bus mm-hmm. to save herself. And so uh, that gets us into this conversation about wh- whether they eat or not. And I do love this conversation. I think it's love very it. interesting. It's very because- interesting, and it rings true to me well yeah well for, uh, first I was worried I was like oh no is this gonna be like an anorexia joke and then they do kind of no. they do kind of go there for a second when they like yeah. reference the Karen Carpenter table and I was like Man? no and they god, show those
0: girls picking raisins from the middle of the <laughs> table
1: girl <laughs> oh my god I hate laughing about it but it, it, that is kind of funny but um <laughs> so but then it becomes about like perception and illusion and that, yes. you, know, you know, at this point, it's like everything that they do, including like Fern's new identity as Violet it's an illusion. Like they're controlling mm-hmm. the narrative and, and that is their real power. Like that's the power that Courtney has is controlling how she's perceived. And they're like wizards at making people believe that they exist on a different plane than everybody else. Because when you think yeah. about it, do these girls have any actual power in the real world? No, they're just like a the mean girl click at school, but they have <laughs> yeah. like created this illusion, you know, within the society, you know, or the social standings of the school that they have more power just because yes of how they've made themselves look how they made themselves look and that includes not letting people see that they eat because of you know the negative connotations that come with eating and so it's just all about curating their image which is very on brand for them
0: Essentially, you know. Courtney Shane is the inventor of Instagram.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Like, fil- like her life is a filter. It's this yes. perception that she is, her life is perfect. She's rich. She's gorgeous. She's has power that you don't, and that you want to be her. And that's mm-hmm. and it all comes down to strategy. And this is one of the strategies is like if a people see us eat, then they will think that we are just. We are on the same level as them. We are that greasy that we're pizza, regular. yeah, that greasy pizza that in my shiny face or something like that are now <laughs> yeah. associated with each other. Yeah, so,
0: or that people get, people seeing me eat something at lunch is going to make them think of me pooping and like, no, right. don't ever think of me as vulnerable ever. No,
1: never vulnerable. Only in a position of power. And it's she's like, look, and we do eat. She's like, it's not that we don't eat and we eat well. And she, and I like that they reiterated that fact that it wasn't like yeah. they, do, they don't ever eat. They're like, he's anorexic. You know, whatever. <laughs> oh, no, I love it's when it's she's like, that.
0: I mean, food is good or whatever and you need it to live,
1: but. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. And like, you would never look at Rose McGowan and think this girl's anorexic. She's very voluptuous. No. She's very curvy. Oh, yeah. And so at least they weren't trying to like, you know, make us believe that. And, you yeah. know. I, I love talk. where
0: they went with this conversation. It's, yeah, I it's, think I think it's great.
1: Yeah, I thought it was very brilliantly put, um, because it really, it really gives us insight into how they've become who they are and what they'll yeah. do in order to keep that. And you know, they're sort of imparting this wisdom on Fern right now, and so us, I mean, it's really, <laughs> and us as the audience. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so now I'm never eating in public ever again. <laughs>
0: I love how this conversation even starts when Fern pulls out her brown paper bag lunch, and they're like, "Oh, oh my god, get rid of it!"
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, exactly. So she, yeah, we know that, that Fern, who is now being referred to as Violet, is uh, she's has some learning to do.
0: Yeah, but she's already getting a little bit sassy. Like when they tell her to get rid of her lunch, she's like, "Okay, like, oh,
1: yeah, oh, excuse me, who are you getting sassy with, Miss Thing?" <laughs> that's right. You were nothing before me. <laughs> Imagine yeah. that conversation came out already.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a weird um, editing, too, And she's like, I was thinking fern. That's a plant, right? Well, I don't know about you, but I'd much rather be a flower. A rose, too obvious. <laughs> Unless she yeah. says her own name. Wow. It's like, too obvious. Yeah, wow. And then there's one of those lines... Never, only yeah. send a
1: rose if it's black as a uh, warning or something like that. A,
0: yeah, only send a rose if it's dyed black as a warning. But then she goes, "You're Violet, my Violet," and she holds out her hand, and she, yeah, she, And Violet slides her hand across, and then they just have this like still shot of like Rose <laughs> with her hand out,
1: like, "Okay, edit <laughs> and next and next moment." Um, yeah that it's kind of a that is scene is so weird yeah like my Violet like okay alright sure that's awkward dialogue but we're getting used to it I guess the more we go into this um, so then we have this scene which I think is hot that popsicle scene is hot to me <laughs> Oh my God! Well, okay. Well, first
0: we see that Julie goes home with Zach, but we don't know much about that yet. So it's like whatever. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Who
1: cares? So that. But um, this,
0: this. is sexy to me too.
1: This is sexy. I don't know why. So so Courtney, right? So we've already heard from her previous conversation that she has some. She's obviously aware of kinks. She's like, you know, she has a kink. Like that's part of how she's staging that. Liz has been attacked and raped because she's in a kink. It's like, okay, so let's not associate kink with rape. But anyway, right? So, um, (laughs) two different things. (laughs) I guess Courtney's kink is that she likes to let's call it what it is. She likes to watch men suck dick.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is how
1: she kind of maintains power and control in the bedroom, totally. Like, if if like we play into like these like traditional gender roles, like. I think she in- must enjoy emasculating her man in order to I don't know stay powerful, and that gives her pleasure.
0: This is a power move, yeah. Making yeah. her boyfriend blow that popsicle like it's her fucking dick like because it puts him in a position dick. of like like you're sucking dick essentially. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's
1: almost like I don't know why this. It reminded me of this, but you know that really famous share quote. Uh, share the singer, not share from Clueless where she's, where (laughs) she, uh, they said something to her, like, um, Oh, she was telling a story about how her mom said, uh, Sherry you need to marry a rich man and she says mom I am a rich man I don't know why that like you know yeah. what I'm saying it's like, uh-huh. like what makes a rich man it's like power it's you know it's this and and it's like a power. big you know having big dick energy pretty much and I think that's yeah. what Courtney is displaying in this is that she's using this big stick as her big yeah. dick energy cause
0: exactly she, you know. she's, touched, she's making him do it she's grabbing the back of his head mm-hmm. um and I love it, and I love that he gets really submissive to her. This is yeah. just how this is like this is like feeding the gays who Darren Stein knew were gonna love this movie. Right, this
1: is his <laughs> fucking little fantasy. He's like, let me get this Calvin Klein model too. Uh yes. Yeah. You know, this s- was a Ryan, Ryan Murphy move. move. <laughs> Literally, yes. Ryan Murphy ate this up and said, I'm gonna make a career off of this. <laughs> yeah. And, hey, and you know who would be-, be perfect for this role? <laughs>
0: that fucking yeah. Olympian yeah Gus Kenworthy let's get yeah. him butt naked every
1: chance we get in a shower scene with three other dudes <laughs> <laughs> um, seriously so uh, th- 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 this kind of part of the point of the movie now after that happens I feel like it kind of meanders a little bit I'm like okay let's get like back into the story like we have this moment where um, I think doesn't she call her at this point doesn't she doesn't Julie call Violet yeah
0: oh she called her before Jane goes over there but yeah she's like bringing up memories of their easy bake ovens like Fern remember when we used to do this and their conversation is cut short because Courtney needs to talk to Fern about something that but we never get to know why it's not really clear what's going on even when you know the police show up at Courtney's house like we're like what's going on then we get this scene with Marcy and her dad where we kind of get to know Marcy a little bit more but it's like why is this scene in this (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's like okay, we get it. Like she's a follower. We could see that just by by her dynamic. Do we need to see? Do we need to see her dad saying, "I watched Oprah, and I also think you're a follower"? And she's like, (laughs) "Yeah, whatever, dad." Like, I do like the way
0: their moment starts though, where it's like panning over to the kitchen table, and before we even get to them, we just hear her go, "Dad, don't be a dick."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and oh, and I love seeing Jeff Conway in this. This was, uh, you know. Post Kaneki, post Elvira, post Elvira, yeah. But for um, sure. I know I love it. I always thought he was so cute, and it's a shame what drugs do. So that's I sad. know. Um, I know. Really random. Sorry to go back to this because I totally skipped over this point. But <laughs> isn't this Violet character thing sort of confusing? Like, like I know we're like it's almost like disbelief. two different people. Yes, but are we supposed to yeah. believe that? the people at the school think she's a different girl, including the school itself. You know like, what? Fern Mayo, some, Fern Mayo is absent from school and this random girl Violet, is now traipsing around the school going to class. Oh,
0: is I, she on um, the roll call? <laughs> I kind of believe it, maybe for the students because she looks so yeah. drastically different. As sure. a student, not part of the clique, I'd be like, "Yeah, who is this new girl?" But Miss Sherwood saying that Fern's yes. been absent for several days, I was like, "No,
1: no." I was like, so no she's
0: reason. not. So she's going to class and then not checking she, in as Fern.
1: Yeah, and, and no, the teacher isn't concerned that this new girl that's not Fern Mayo is in this class like who are you what are you doing here like we're just, I know it's so- and, who, and what's her last name now yeah. yeah Violet yeah Violet Mayo no
0: Violet Mustard
1: <laughs> Violet Ketchup <laughs> <laughs> so um, Violet so Worcestershire <laughs> Worcestershire <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, but uh, yeah, so I feel like the plot does a little meander at the end of this section. Like, why do we need oh, yeah. a scene of, of Liz as a pool ghost? I don't know. Detective Vera Cruz. <laughs> better. <laughs> okay. Mom <better. laughs> <laughs> Mama, oh, that scene is... <laughs> um, played by Pam Greer is on the case. She grills and interrogates Courtney, Marcy, and Julie... Corney answers the questions with confident ease. Marcy crumbles under pressure and Julie timidly responds. Detective Cruz brings up the jawbreaker and hopes that she will get more answers, but no one confesses. Ms. Sherwood reveals to Detective Cruz that she sent home Fern mail with Liz's assignments the day she died. Ms. Sherwood relays that Fern couldn't possibly have anything to do with this as she's a sweet girl. However, according to Detective Cruz, sometimes the sweetest candies are sour as death inside. Fern is called in for a questioning with Detective Cruz. She reveals a creepy fascination with Liz, mentioning Liz helped her pick up some of her dropped papers one day. She also explains that she sat behind Liz in algebra where she fixated on the beauty marks on the back of Liz's neck. Detective Cruz's suspicion of Fern is soon shattered when Courtney decides to fabricate a dark truth about Liz. Courtney tells Cruz that Liz had an insatiable thirst for strange, kinky men. As Courtney tells her lie, we see the truth. Courtney went to a bar and picked up a random freak, Marilyn Manson, Boo! Boo! and had sex with him on Liz's bed. As Violette's popularity soars, Courtney suggests she get a boyfriend and sets her sights on Zach, who has been getting closer to Julie. Courtney signs Fern up for the school play to catch his attention. Violette scores the lead in the school play, but Zach doesn't feed into her flirtatious advances. Zach tells Julie about the new girl Violet. Julie reveals that Violette isn't a new student. She's actually Fern Mayo. Julie then reveals to him about the prank gone wrong leading to Liz's death. Zach tells Julie she must do something or tell someone. They decide to tell Detective Cruz the truth, but before Julie can confess, Cruz tells her that they have a suspect in custody. Julie knows Courtney must have framed some random guy for Liz's murder.
0: Uh, (laughs) So first of all, Detective Cruz walks in. Pam Greer looks like she's about to beat someone's ass.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love how apparently she... Put in her contract, she's like, I do my own wigs, and so she wore three. Yeah,
0: yeah, she wore three wigs. She's like, you know what? I'm no one's gonna fuck my hair except me. I'm gonna put on these these three stringy wigs. <laughs> <laughs> but I you went, know what? Yeah. Like, movies and television shows have been notorious for mistreating the hair of women of color. So, hats off to her. Yeah, she knew what she had to do.
1: She's like, wigs off to her. To yeah. My wigs off to her. That's right. Um, yeah, and it, I guess Pam Greer, she had a few days to spare to come in for this film, Cause
0: Yeah, seriously. She looks like she's doing us a favor. Seriously. literally.
1: I mean, she's obviously, like, playing, like, a no-nonsense detective, and she gives, like, a good performance, I guess, but I, I don't know. I just wish they made her character a little... A better. I don't know. It doesn't
0: match everybody else's. But I maybe that's on purpose because this world of Reagan High seems to be so elevated and hyper realistic and surreal. But then she yeah. comes in and she's probably from the city, you know, and yeah. she's like, What the fuck is this? Like no, because the way she reacts to people is so funny. Like when she's like, yeah. I'm Detective Cruz, you can call me Veta. And and <laughs> Courtney <laughs> goes, Okay,
1: Veta. <laughs> <laughs> Girl. Yeah, like that yeah, her reactions are definitely good. And like she seems really tough and smart, but um I don't know. I wish that she maybe have gotten like a better conclusion in this film. Oh she, yeah, she's she just sort, sort of, of d- here
0: just to continue the story.
1: Yeah, she sort of disappears and then she also gets really easily manipulated by Courtney. Which I'm like, she that seems no out one, of line for her character.
0: It does. It does. I think at first she's not fooled but Courtney like she said everyone's going to love this story because it's a sens- it's a, one of those ones that could sure. be sensationalized you yeah, know so it's totally. like perfect I'll buy into it or anybody will buy a ticket to that show apparently yeah. And
1: I guess Vera Cruz did she bought it
0: when she's questioning uh, Miss Sherwood, Miss Sherwood's like, "You know, um I sent home, and she goes, "Oh my God." she goes, Liz's mother didn't call that day And she's like, "Oh God, do you think I had anything to do with this girl's murder?" And she goes, uh, it'll be all right, Miss Sherwood." Like she like, <laughs> settle down." <laughs> She goes like sent Courtney Shane home with uh, with Liz's homework, and she goes okay. She starts writing that down. She goes, oh no, wait, I sent Miss Fern Mayo with it. She's like, rolling her eyes, like (laughs) Miss Sherwood, get your fucking
1: story straight. She's like, Mayo is that M A Y O? (laughs) 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 Um, So yeah, I mean, her character is just the front of the plot, but yeah, I guess Miss Pam Greer, she had a few days uh, available, so lucky us.
0: I know I, I am happy to see her here because Pam Grier she's a no nonsense woman like she is yeah. in control and I do kind of wish like you said we got more out of her like I kind of wish that maybe she she could have intimidated Courtney like you said yeah. these girls don't have any real power outside of the real world yeah. um, but I think it does help to elevate Courtney in a way where she's like it fucking worked but um, I do kind of wish that at the end we could have gotten this seen her weird, again Detective Cruz really puts that bitch in her place.
1: Right, absolutely. Like, the real world coming in to be like, look, like you don't really have any power. Like, you, this manipulation will only go so far in the real world. Like, that's what I was hoping yeah. was going to come from her, and we don't really get that conclusion. So that's kind of, that's disappointing. Yeah. So, um, during these interrogations, we have a few more of these weird fever dream <laughs> sequences Girl, like the jawbreaker the jawbreakers these kids licking jawbreakers on the playground licking a giant floating jawbreaker i'm like am i how how high am i i know i'm high but like how high
0: <laughs> they're talking about it'll break your jaw it'll hurt your mouth but these kids look like they have stomach aches like
1: oh yeah, they're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and then like uh detective cruz like she has a really like I'm assuming like a line that they wanted to make really important was this like um, you know sometimes the sweetest candies are sour as death inside. And I think that's a that's a good connection for this movie, like between like how the girls look and like yeah. you know, they literally look like candy. And uh but you know, they're sour on the inside, especially Courtney yeah. and Marcy. So I think that's a good line.
0: They'll break your jaw, they'll
1: fucking break your throat. That's right, with a popsicle. <laughs> yeah. And then there's this really random edit. And it goes from one one scene to that interrogation with with Violet, with Fern. That half the oh. scene is the beginning of the scene is missing. <laughs> it starts literally yeah. it starts literally in the middle of dialogue. She's like hard to track down. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what? I was like, I literally like looked. Like, Am I like, missing something? I was like, what happened? Like, I the only time I've ever seen a movie do that is Poltergeist, where there was a there was a uh, mess up with the editing that they couldn't fix, and so they just had to like leave it in. I've never seen that before until this. Remember. Movie. I Remember
0: like, uh, early on in our podcasting, we tried to do this thing where we were already having a conversation, and then we pressed record. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's kind of like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was funny. We have I know. That. We're like, let's do this we thing. Gave up we on like, that. Maybe we yeah, should like... do it for season three.
0: It's never too <laughs> yeah. late. You yeah. know, the third, all bets are off.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> trilogy, trilogy. <laughs> So Fern's interrogation, I think, is uh I love this monologue. Like I can it's a see this monologue of- being used as like uh you know, an audition monologue or whatever. I just think it's really good and um some of the imagery in this moment is really strange, like when she's talking about, you know, looking at um At Liz's beauty marks on her neck, whatever. There's this like weird apparatus like moving behind her, which (laughs) also gives this feeling like I'm in some really fucked up nightmare world. It's yeah, like, I don't know what it, it is. But it
0: increases the the level of wonderment that yeah. Fern has while staring at Liz. I love the imagery, and yeah,
1: that. it's a, yeah, I really, I, I, do, it, it's super effective. It's just like, whoa! I'm like, this is really freaky. Like, just how that thing is moving behind her. And but when like, they
0: cut to what she's focusing on, Mama, that imagery is not. it Oh my me. god,
1: <laughs> that that paint, the <laughs> <laughs> windows paint. <laughs> it's horrible. I would see yeah. sea monkeys dancing in my head. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow. She was really reaching with that sea monkey one. I've seen salmon swimming upstream on the back of that neck. <laughs> yeah. And then um then we get this other like sort of uh iconic line from this movie, which is uh, you know, if this is high school, what is a friend anyway? And I was like, I was like trying to think of like okay what does that mean like right like because it, it yeah. is interesting but i'm like is this just to say that like high school friends are only mere like merely tools to climb like the social totem pole and i'm like okay well maybe from fern's yeah. perspective that would make sense because she's she's never had friends before and she was like the lowest tier on the totem pole of you know school and then now mm-hmm. that she has like friends I like, quote unquote she's elevated to the top but even though they're technically her friends they're not really her friends like yeah they're using they're I, using her I would sort know. of relate it to um,
0: like a gang on the streets you know like oh, sure. when when you're in this defenseless uh, sort of you know surrounding and you don't know how to navigate that you join a gang and this gang has your back you know you're loyal to them but if you ever want to leave you you know you leave and you never look back you never see those people again because Mm. you left so it's blood in blood out it's blood in blood out is maybe that okay you know up in this <laughs> jawbreaker <laughs> but you know essentially like when you're in a world full of chaos what better way to go about it than to you know create this sort of clique or family or gang yeah. where you
1: can yeah, make that's your way tr- through that's true mm, interesting yeah i guess there are several connotations with that i just think like they made it such a like a big moment for her to say that i'm like okay well what is, yeah like, what do they mean by that? Yeah, so, especially it,
0: when they repeat it at the end.
1: Yeah, exactly. So obviously, this is something that they wanted us to to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we have the uh, the explanation of what happened to Liz after after the murder, and this mm-hmm. like in Courtney's very despicable, <laughs> fucking plan that she executes which is you know it's a little it's kind of uncomfortable to watch I think it's another one of these things that I don't think aged well uh, no, you know, especially
0: for... with fucking Marilyn Manson up yeah. in this bitch
1: yeah no, no no yeah I mean which at the time he was her fiance but knowing now what we know about no. him and how he he uh has had a history for years and years of grooming young women and being abusive and, and you know several women have come forward now we don't support Marilyn Manson. I was a fan of his music before. Now I'm like, yeah, you know, Off my Halloween playlist, bitch. You ain't. All well 40 done. of his
0: songs are off that motherfucking playlist. Yeah, I'm like, damn it.
1: What's but left? Seriously. The Sharon Needles album? Yeah. Just
0: <laughs> Honestly, I know. It, it's so despicable how these people act. And then we lose such a big chunk of pop culture and art because you know? the people that made it are disgusting.
1: Yeah. And like, and I can't. And I'm just, I know, I know there's a a huge conversation about separating people from their art and things like that. But I know for me, for me personally, I struggle with that. And so it's better for me just to, you know, disassociate with them. Yeah. Especially because every time you listen
0: to those songs, bitch, that's fucking money in their pocket.
1: Money in their pocket. And it's like, so I'm supporting them. And, uh, yeah, exactly and so Marilyn Manson is one that's no longer on my radar and uh, so when he shows up in this movie it's all booze for me. Boo 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 Just like, <laughs> just like boo. when Donald Trump shows up in Home Alone 2 yeah. Edit it out yeah, yeah. Edit it out <laughs> <laughs> So then her plan is that she goes into this bar which how'd she get in? She's 17 I'm sure she has her ways I know. There's kind of a daddy sitting at the bar. I
0: noticed him. I was like
1: Ew. Ooh, oh oh <laughs> what well, and you know what that's age-appropriate for you for her not so much because then it, it sort of glosses over this like pedophilic moment toward this yes where she takes yeah, yeah, home yeah. an adult man and she's a 17 year old girl and has sex with him in order to frame him and yeah. I guess it's not really explicitly like explained the, what the plan is but I'm assuming it's like like his DNA is now on In the bedroom. I'm assuming that's what it has to be.
0: Maybe they found a cum sample somewhere on there and was like, this is him. This is the guy. And he must have done something before because, I mean, just look at him. And honestly, I know we're not going to really talk about him, but do you think that he's going to look like this when he goes to prison for his crimes? (laughs) They take that fucking contact out, mama. He just looks like like, "Ah!" this. Ah!" (laughs)
1: Like like a fucking sideshow. (laughs) Yeah. No, 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 yeah, gross. So yeah, this plan is just very despicable and uh, very uncomfortable. I don't think it aged well at all. But she's an evil character. I guess we can uh, assume she's only going to do evil things. So
0: yeah, yeah. And um, so then we get to this point where Courtney's like, okay, we need to elevate Violet in a in a way you know Liz is like finally out of the picture so she's really cr- making Violet her project
1: mm-hmm. and
0: her a passion project if you will and she's like yeah. you have to get a boyfriend and I think for you Zach the drama king would be the perfect match <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is so funny I'm like why would they set her up with somebody who's like a lower social standing than her I know, but I really think
0: it's because they obviously saw Julie hanging out with him at some point. They had to. Oh,
1: that's, that's true. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. They're they're devious, and so they're trying to fuck with Julie, who's, you know, out here making, you know, having moments now. We've kind of glossed over them because they are sort of irrelevant to the plot, but she's out here. <laughs> yeah. You know, getting hers with, with, uh, with, what's his name? <laughs> Christ. <laughs> yeah, with Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, when, yeah, she's out here uh, having some good times with Zach, so uh, that makes sense that they would do that. Okay, you're right, you're right. We're yeah, trying to break them.
0: Even though the drama club thinks that they're far superior to anybody else, because this conversation that they have with this <laughs> with this drama girl, I don't know what it is about her. I don't know. it was like the at first. I was like, is that Kim Zolciak? <laughs> <laughs> don't be started for the party ooh,
1: ooh, ooh.
0: but Violet gets the lead so obviously she has some kind of hidden talent that we don't know about or maybe she we just never see her, it her charm like, where,
1: where was the performance where was the audition <laughs> did <laughs> she use the she... same monologue in her interrogation
0: <laughs> what do you think that she her audition song was it's hard to believe that I couldn't see <laughs> <laughs> you were all you're all me. <laughs> Violet has the whole school eating out of the palm of her hand. She makes out with a boy for a car and has her own group of flunkies. Courtney begins to notice Violet's popularity is eclipsing her own. When the school crowds around Violet, Bob, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is also one of my favorite parts of the movie. This scene, this, this is iconic. <laughs> <laughs> when the school crowds around Violet, bopping around on the hood of her new car, Courtney decides it's time to put her in her place, reminding Fern she made her and can break her just as easily. Fern reminds Courtney that she has the power, knowing the truth about Liz. Not taking Violet's threat well, Courtney ruins Violet by posting flyers all over school with a nerdy picture of Fern. Above her picture are the words... Who is Violet? Everyone knows Violet's true identity and her popularity diminishes faster than it was gained. Julie takes pity on Fern and forgives her for being. Com- oh, not computed, girl. <laughs> computed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was playing. With. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, let me catch my breath, baby boy. Okay, ca- I just realized he
1: just had lose my breath. Let me yeah. catch my breath, baby boy. You're so stupid. All right.
0: Julie takes pity on Fern and forgives her for being corrupted by Courtney. They wonder how they can reveal the truth, but Julie becomes discouraged. Meanwhile, it is prom night. Courtney and Marcy attend the senior prom where Courtney gives Marcy the cold shoulder. Julie is at home going through a bag of Liz's belongings that were given to her. She finds the recordable birthday card she was fiddling with when Courtney was faking Liz's death scene. Julie opens the card and Courtney's voice is heard confessing to Liz's murder. I killed Liz. I killed the teen dream. Duh that. Armed with this evidence, Julie, Fern, and Zach hurry to the prom. When Dane and Courtney are announced as prom king and queen, Zach sneaks backstage, and as Courtney delivers her acceptance speech, he broadcasts Courtney's confession over the sound system. Shocked and disgusted, Dane abandons Courtney while Marcy hides under a table. Horrified that her scheme has been exposed, Courtney races for the exit as the rest of the furious students stone her with corsages, completely turning on her. Courtney is powerless, pulling at her face and hair, completely falling apart. Awaiting Courtney at the very end of the mob is Julie, who gleefully snaps a picture of her former friend's anguished face to immortalize the occasion for the yearbook. The end. (laughs) Woo! What a Uh, fast ending, my God. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it sort of all just wraps up pretty quickly. So, at the beginning of this section, we have Violet's rise to popularity, which I really enjoy this whole <laughs> section. Oh, I love
0: it. I, lo- I gobble this up every time. Yeah,
1: like everything from like her wardrobe to her attitude. Like, it's just so... it just it's like Oh, the, like- the, cl-
0: the clothing here is phenomenal. The costume. Yeah, she, like,
1: we, like we mentioned earlier, her outfit was a little more like, conservative. Um, you know, but still cute, like, within the standards of probably Courtney. Mm-hmm. But then, as the sequence goes on and she starts becoming more, like, infamous around the school, her clothes just seem to get shorter and less and more sheer and just, like, a bikini top Plastic. At one point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, plastic. It's just like... Yeah, it's just funny. And she just goes... She becomes Courtney. In, yeah. in a sense, like and but she she's different because I feel like everybody's talking. I don't feel like people talk about Courtney as much, so she's or yeah no, like, they're scared to like talk sur- about her. Yeah, they're like sur- she's like surpassing Courtney in a way, and because Courtney she's more approachable. Yeah, she yes. is. And they love to yeah. hate her.
0: One of my favorite moments before we get into like the, the meatier part of this, this montage is when Julie's coming off of the bus and <laughs> Courtney drives by oh hella fast and she spins around in circles. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then here comes Violet pulling up in her new red convertible and the license plate just says, bitch. bitch. And
1: she's like, hi ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love this for Judy Greer. I love that this is like one of her first performances. Like She was destined for supporting actress stardom. Yeah, she, she, I mean, she
0: plays a great villain too, like 13 going on 30, cursed.
1: Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, she's never shied away from that. So Marcy kind of explains
0: to Courtney, like, I'm really getting concerned, like, she's doing a little too much. And Courtney compares her to the people that the Nouveau Riche. Oh, the Nouveau Riche.
1: Yeah. It's like they're pathetic.
0: They, <laughs> they drape themselves in jewels and furs.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like, they're pathetic, but, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, she, <laughs> I thought that scene is really funny. And then they go, then they're like, wait, what's going on outside? And then they fucking see <laughs> Fern sitting on the hood of her car, just fucking headbanging or something on top <laughs> of her car or, with, with a crowd I love that people her. are
0: watching this. Yes.
1: <laughs> Like what is this crowd watching? They're just watching her just headbang on her car and they're like fascinated by this. It's so funny. <laughs> and apparently this is like uh an homage to Angeline who's like a, uh-huh who's like this like LA staple of mm-hmm. uh you know she she was Did like Did you a watch dual- the show with Emmy Rossum playing her? I didn't. Did you watch I it? I want to.
0: No, I need to find what? it. I
1: didn't even know it came out. I knew that was like a good thing, but I wonder what happened with it.
0: It came out on Peacock TV.
1: Did it? Yeah, well, whatever I that is. I have Peacock. Oh, look for it. I'll watch it. I won't watch it, but maybe if I have time. I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> if, <laughs> if there's a scene in here
0: like this, watch
1: it. Yeah. But, um, but if it's not, just, who cares? And then they have this uh, classically catty fight in um in the bathroom. Uh, I I love when she smashes her against the wall and she goes, What the fuck twice, are you doing?
0: Twice. Yeah. I lo- Boom! Boom. Boom! Boom. <laughs> but first of all, Cordy's outfit while doing this, bitch. Is that ridiculous. turtleneck sleeveless sweater with the Argyle print on down the front, but the diamonds are cut out.
1: Are cut out? <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" Even that video we watched, she was like, "This is probably her most ridiculous outfit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But
0: it is so great. Like this, this is just it's hilarious. like, a, yeah, it's
1: like a turtleneck argyle sleeveless sweater with these cutouts in the front, and then she's wearing a fucking leather skirt. skirt. It's like a plastic skirt with it. It's like, girl, this is insane. She looks crazy. One of the things that
0: they said in that video, which they were saying toward Julie, but I think it applies across the board, is that they dress like Polly Pockets.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they do. They do. Um, yeah. So they have this, like, showdown, like Courtney and Fern, and, um, you know... Fern begins to like threaten <laughs> Courtney's power and you know that's unacceptable and um, you know Fern really thinks that she's like checkmated Courtney at this point but she's like so oh, yeah. Deluded. she's blowing she's blowing cigarette yeah. smoke in her face yeah totally but like <laughs> I think poor Fern is she's so, she's so deluded at this point like she doesn't remember that Courtney does still have power over her because of her past she's Fern, Fern Mayo she's Fern Mayo, she's Fern Mayo. She's <laughs> and she like She's like bought into this. bottom Wow. Excuse me. She's bought into this oh, now. Girl. I know.
0: <laughs> she done she's, bought and already done by herses.
1: <laughs> she she has bought into this so much that she's now forgotten who she used to be, and she thinks that yeah. that'll never come back. But. And comes back, Courtney's and- ready to
0: put her in her place. She's like, I'll
1: fucking shred you, you whore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit. Like, this dialogue is intense between them.
0: Wait, did you see the dialogue from something else? Did you clock it? The line? What I is made it? you, and I can break you just as easily. It's from Rocky Horror Picture Show.
1: Oh, duh. Yeah, that's the Frankenfurter line.
0: Yeah. So there's like, there's like, that's obviously a big inspiration on in this too.
1: Oh yeah, totally. Which I love that. I love Rocky Horror, and then, uh, then we have the inevitable <laughs> downfall of Violet. Uh, you uh, know, and do you know what? To be honest, I think she would have fared better if she just owned it. And she yeah. was like, "And it's fabulous! And it's fabulous! It's gorgeous!" <laughs> 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 she should have just fucking owned it and be like, "Yeah, I used to be ugly, but now look at me."
0: Yeah. But I would have she- like catwalk down the hallway, but people oh, are—they're yeah. like,
1: "That's her!" Like you the know, part like, of the public oh. opinion. But I think it, I yeah. honestly think if she was confident about it, they wouldn't have had that reaction. But because she was so freaked out about it, they frantic. Were- yeah she's oh ranted. she she comes out of that car fully confident
0: ready to strut her shit down that hallway and yeah. then she just gets the meltdown of all meltdowns i love when that girl's like
1: burn burn or whatever and she's like shut up <laughs> <laughs> and then she falls and hits her head or she faints right and she hits her head to the point where she winds up in the nurse's office with a bloody ass bandage like on her Looked head. Looking like I'm a like, fucking oh
0: mummy. I was like, oh my god, she was a really cracked yeah. her
1: head on the ground.
0: <laughs> I like when and she's still having a meltdown because they're like Fern.
1: She goes, What did you just call me? Like it's yeah. Fern, right? No! I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh then she has a change of heart. She decides that you know what Courtney needs to be taken down. And so she teams up with Julie and then uh, to the prom. <laughs> then we get to the prom. This is like, I said, this is all happening so quickly at this point.
0: I know. But wait, before when Fern has her second meltdown, they wrap her up in her own posters. And then Courtney and Marcy come, and Courtney's like, oh, look, it's like Terms of Endearment Part Three. But in this one, the boyfriend's gay. And Marcy <laughs> yeah. goes, yeah, and the rest of the cast sucks. <laughs> 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 so that, is funny. So,
1: that is so funny. Yeah, I love it. And yeah, she looks really evil in this scene. Like just her, I don't know that yeah. like kind of plastic purple outfit she's wearing. Courtney looks really. Oh,
0: yeah, she does. She does. She, she gets more evil as the movie goes. Yeah, on. Yeah,
1: and like the angle, it's like sort of like this like skewed sideways like mm-hmm. angle of them makes it just looks. Unpleasant for some reason. Like she just looks deranged.
0: She's like a classic
1: villain here. Yeah, totally. So then we get prom night. The Donnas are playing. Oh my god, the Donnas! (laughs) Yes, what an early 2000s staple. I know. Uh, Where are they? Where are they? Where do they go? I don't know. They're music. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Um. So I. This whole ending sort of feels like a little half baked to me. Especially considering like the crime, you know, the crime was like they was like murder. It's pretty big. Yeah, they killed somebody. Right, and so like, you know, we have this whole thing like they discover the they discover the the card has her confessing to the murder, and they show up. And in the meantime, like, like we said, and like, Courtney has given Marcy the cold shoulder now. (laughs)
0: Which- <laughs> and the, vi- the video that we watched about the outfits, they were like, it was like, because she's wearing a feather bow and she has crimped hair, like she looks yeah. tacky, and maybe that's <laughs> why Courtney yeah.
1: gives her the gold shoulder. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was brilliant in that video. Um, yeah, she does. She kind of looks crazy. She looks like tacky, she looks gross, and I think Courtney's like wearing this like icy blue outfit with. Fucking Joey called it her Queen Amadala fucking hair thing that she has. <laughs> <like, laughs> <I was like, laughs> with,
0: <laughs> with that fucking purse strap <laughs> wrapped yeah, in internal twines. Like, I do kind of yeah, like this, though She's like the ice queen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 She the Statue of Liberty to me.
0: I think the buildup here was very much trying to be Carrie.
1: Yeah. Like, right. The exactly. like, oh the, my God. The
0: tension is building. but right, like, that, I don't they feel even tension Carrie. here
1: yeah they, f- they even mentioned Kara like what are we gonna get pig's blood pig's next blood. Like, yeah and yeah I feel like we're like leading burn. up to something yeah <laughs> it's like building up to something and then we get it so then Courtney ends up on stage and you're expecting something and then they play they play her confession over the thing and then
0: a million if, times.
1: A million times, and every turns on her, and they start stoning her with the corsages, which I do really... I think that's a really fun idea.
0: like the, Okay, wait. First of all, uh, did you see this girl with the Anna Nicole Smith hair in the front?
1: Yes! <laughs> oh, my God. She's so distracting. Yes, yeah, so she's like a leopard. She's like also wearing like leopard print or something.
0: She's like a mess. And she but, looks like she's a drunk. <laughs> like, I love her. She looks
1: She, looks she, great. she reminds me of... I I, like a character from like, uh... Dropped dead gorgeous <laughs> you know like yeah, the trailer park. Yeah. She, she must be like a trailer park stereotype or something in the audience and oh my god the fucking goth girl just living her life oh, on the dance floor living, living her best
0: life dancing so when they when they realize that this is courtney talking and admitting that she killed uh the teen dream liz uh i love this little salmo moments where they're like <laughs> that's her
1: voice you're, you're like that's fucker, her fucker <laughs> Burn in hell! <laughs> and they're like,
0: <laughs> and she, she, I and she's like, love this.
1: She's like floating. Like they have her on some sort of apparatus that has her like, yeah, moving. Like they had her on a, like, a track or, she, or whatever. Yeah, she's do. on a track or something, and she's like smearing her own makeup. And I love then, it. I think she does it so well. <laughs> she looks sc- scary by the end. By the end, when, <laughs> when she gets the end, almost to the exit, here comes Julie with that camera, and she looks so deranged. And she's like, "Julie," <laughs> like, "What?
0: What is this?" Even before this starts, like all this slow mo, like
1: that,
0: bitch. Yeah. So <laughs> and when weird. Julie blows her that kiss, and she goes,
1: "Eat." Each-
0: shit. I love it. Yeah. I love I love every moment of this. I love when she goes Julie! It's the one time that we see Courtney really being vulnerable and you hear it in her voice too. Yeah. Um,
1: and then and Rose,
0: Mac- Rose McGowan said this is the only prom she's ever been to off and on screen.
1: Wow. And look <laughs> at what crazy? happened to her. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> and then Julie snaps this picture and right before she does it Courtney goes Arr! It's like, makes this like yeah, it's, hideous It's noise. definitely added post production. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, why did they add that? That sounds so stupid. And then they take, she takes like three pictures of her that look like it went to the yearbook. And then the movie's over. And it's like, yeah, wait, it, what? No, no ending.
0: No Detective Cruise. We don't get to see no. her get into custody or anything. There's no justice right. served. Yeah, really.
1: totally. It's like, like, does this character that like exploited. Her friends sexually after her death, like deserve like an ugly picture in the yearbook and that's it. Like, well, this to
0: her is probably, and this is probably why we got that lunch debacle earlier. Yeah, because it's like her image was everything, and now that's been tarnished and immortalized in the yearbook. So,
1: I mean, this, this is, is her worst her, nightmare. This is her worst nightmare. That is true. And I'm like, prison I mean,
0: she can handle, but this yeah, she'll run that. Shit. This is. people are gonna remember her like this this is terrible
1: (laughs) yeah that's true um yeah I don't know it just sort of leaves you like oh we're not gonna see her get her comeuppance we don't get to see her pay for what she i for this horrible thing that she orchestrated against her friend and we just assume that her her biggest consequence is her reputation is ruined and i guess to her that is the end of the world so that's the end of the world her
0: image is destroyed but um anyway the future for jawbreaker is that it's being developed into a tv series by darren stein so
1: yeah i don't know i mean they've already obviously tried the heather series that uh did not fare well with people because it just was terrible I mean, it was. They were. It got canceled before it even started, just because, uh, <laughs> not because it was bad, but because of the content. Teen suicide. They, yeah, it's just like it's not, just not of the times. You know, yeah, we live in a yeah, different time. Yeah, this is we've, gonna we've, have to
0: we've... shake it up too if they're gonna yeah. try to make it a series for, for sure. For sure.
1: All right. So, final thoughts on Jawbreaker. Final. My final thoughts
0: are that. Um, Rose McGowan as Courtney Shane in this to me, I think it's beside rose aside from Rose McGowan, like the character of Courtney Shane, I think is probably one of the worst movie villains in history. Like as far as like she's so villainous, yeah. like this is like At least the things that she does, for sure. yeah, are crazy, despicable, so, A despicable... Word even though some of the dialogue is seems a little out of place and doesn't flow very well and some of the lines feel unnatural i just love this movie i love the way it looks i love the way they speak i love the way they dress i love the dialogue i i love it all there's even the flaws i love those too and so i would definitely say that this for me because i watch it all the time is a five out of five <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey that's fine that is fine. I don't have the same sort of nostalgia for this movie as you do. Like, like I said, I don't. I don't. I've only seen this movie like once or twice. Oh, I think once. I can't believe before, it. I can't believe it. I know. Um, but I do think this movie is like a fun dark comedy, and um, I can see, I can see why it's a bit under the radar because I think there are some <laughs> definite missed opportunities. I don't think it's. Uh, yeah. I don't think the dialogue is as sharp as like some of these other ones that have come out, but. Um, and some of the sequences are just kind of weird to me and uh yeah. don't hold, some of them don't hold up you know but it is campy yeah. and i and mm-hmm. um and i do love that and i like i said and i love the characters i love how it looks um you know i live for teen girl movies like mean girl movies and this I fits mean... right this fits right in there with that and um i don't know i think maybe what's lacking for me like overall is like just a bit of like an overarching theme or message, like what yeah. is the what is the theme of this? Like, you look at something like, you know, Heather's or Mean Girls, like they have like really clear messages at the end. Like, not that they're like mm-hmm. they need to be like happy endings all the time, but at least like, what was this movie trying to say? And I'm like, I don't know, I like struggle like to like, is it like yeah. be yourself or is it uh, I don't know, I don't know. It's not super clear because there's like several different storylines going on. There's Violet, right? There's, there's a lot going that. on, you know. So for me, I would give this a 3.5 out of five because I do like it. Um, I'm sure the more I watch it, because I probably will watch it more. Yeah. I think I, I will learn to really love the, the sort of weirdness of it. But at first you're like, this is so strange and it doesn't really like hold up. But you know what? Maybe I'll look at it differently. I do, now. I I do need to you to, to watch
0: this. this more. I do need you to watch this more because it kills me that you've seen GBF ah! more than you've seen Jawbreaker.
1: Look at the Rotten Tomato score, bitch. And it, it just makes sense. Like GBF is a much better rated movie than... Jawbreaker maybe not as iconic maybe not as iconic but uh, you know there you go I know but I like I don't know also I I knew somebody in that movie so it's like I mean I didn't know him excuse me let me amend what I just said I one of my co-workers that I worked with his boyfriend is Michael Willett or I don't know if they're I don't want to speak on that but um (laughs) I so I so like I had seen it so many times because we'd always talk about it at work and so then I ended up seeing a lot um and you I knew read, of him. I knew He's of dead. him. He died. He died. Yeah, um, yeah, but I had seen GBF a lot, and you know, I haven't seen in a while. And honestly, watching this, I was like, I kind of want to revisit GBF and see oh. <laughs> if I if I think it holds up. But because I, I do remember really liking that movie, yeah,
0: and I could see that that meets Jawbreaker as a TV series could oh, yeah. work. Oh my totally. god,
1: Fawcett Do you remember that character, Fawcett <laughs> Fawcett,
0: <laughs> yeah. Not, like, that's to be a pretty name or something, yeah, Fawcett. Yeah, Fawcett, I know. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> um, so, yes, that's our birthday episode on Jawbreaker.
0: Yes, I am so happy we finally did that. If we were going to do it, it was going to be now.
1: So, you can find us on social media. <laughs> Look at us on Instagram, at Fear the Talking Queers. You can uh, please leave us an Apple podcast review. We would love one of those.
0: Please. Uh, we know yeah, we're for, great. For Shit. Frankie's
1: birthday. We need a five star review for Frankie's birthday. And if you don't do that, you're a hating ass bitch. Yeah, you're hating <laughs> ass bitch. And
0: we're going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: you'll be dead. Okay. And I, we killed you
0: you'll die um and then also you can visit our website fearthechalkingqueers.com It Just got a makeover just like Fern um so now our website is Violet
1: <laughs> yeah Violet ooh Violet that name is so funny um cause it's like almost like not and, a real name <laughs> I
0: know seriously <laughs> and also don't forget we only have one episode one left episode
1: oh my god of we are season two the- I cannot believe this I cannot believe we've been doing this. Now we're for at the one end of our year. second season. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. And it's going to be a fucking banger because it's going to be my personal favorite movie of all time. Uh, on our ranking, if you look at our Scream ranking, I put it yeah. as my number one. Um,
0: yes, you did. I don't know we why. You're doing Scream 2!
1: Yes! I cannot wait! Oh, for, you know, like... If, any, if anybody's going to talk about Scream and know what the hell they're talking about, it's going to be Zach Cherry. Just kidding. <laughs> <I> seriously. <laughs> retro bitch face. I'm just yeah, no,
0: he's great. I, the, the amount of time that he's committed to like dissecting those movies, definitely. Oh, I, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about him more in Scream 2, but I can't wait for it. Don't go too far, Miss Rebecca. Come on yes. back.
1: Yes, that's right. Sister, sister uh, Lois. Is she Sister Lois? <laughs> Oh, I think Murphy? so,
0: because uh, the other one look definitely looks like Sister Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Poor With those Shem. eyebrows. Something about those eyebrows say Murphy to me. <laughs> <laughs> Papa, <Murphy's laughs> no.
1: oh, Papa Murphy. Okay, well on that note, um, let's say happy birthday to you. And, happy um, birthday to me i said happy birthday i said ha- happy
0: birthday yeah <laughs> happy birthday we say happy you say birthday happy <laughs> happy birthday happy birthday dear checky didn't we do that on your birthday ah <laughs> no I don't think i'm we pretty did. sure we did on the jennifer's body episode because oh. we promoted jennifer's body as being your birthday episode oh, wow. on instagram and so i'm pretty sure we sang happy birthday dear checky
1: oh we're cute I know, right? Happy birthday, dear Chucky. Oh, remember <laughs> Chucky e. Cheese? That shit is out of business. She's dead. She She's died. dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, I'm going to bid you a sweet screams, bitch. Bye.